It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Every sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind It is me I am back. I was gone for a minute. Now I'm back with a jump off. Straws in my hand case something pops off. Hey, no. <laughs> I'm back. Back once again with the Renegade Masters. Is that what? I don't even know the lines to some of these things. I'll just be talking, child. i just be talking. I am back. Why do I keep clapping like some any sea lion? Um, <laughs> I've just had... This episode, let me just, this episode, no, um, I just think about Audrey, the baby girl. Um, this episode will be rather discombobulated simply because I recorded chunks of it at various times. So, um, we've got an incredible interview with Jade and Kia from Getting Grown podcast. Uh, they're American baby girls that I love. And I was recently on their podcast as well. So we're doing the whole transatlantic link up thing. So we've got that today and also or in this episode rather and also I've got an incredible conversation that I have with um Lorraine and Amina about cishet men and relationships with cishet men very very interesting stuff so it's a jumbo episode so if you you might need to listen to this in two parts and three parts. I don't actually know how long everything's going to be, but I feel like this is looking like one of them three hour episodes by the time I do straw of the week and add all of my adverts, all of them things. And tarot, got to do a bit of tarot as well. Um, got some little announcements to make. So I'm not pregnant, FYI. Because <laughs> you know, when people say announcements, it feels like it's either work or like your uterus is working. It's either you're working in employment or your uterus. Nah, it's none of that. Um, so yeah, I'll be talking about that shortly. But in case you're wondering who you're listening to, you are listening to the baby girl, Kelechi Okafo. And this is SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, Suck Your Mom. And I'm back, back bitches, wagwan my youths. Um, yeah, I'm back. It's an interesting time. I needed the time away. I don't feel like I actually actually got the time away, but I needed the time from not recording, you know, just to really give myself space to process a lot of things. I didn't like how my body was reacting to certain things. And transparency, my body's still not better. I feel like my, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of there. My body's still not better, but we move, you know, we move. And I really thank God for cuteness, you know, just... We just have to keep moving. People were telling me that they think my lock, my locks are flourishing. I claim it. I claim it. Um, I'm just out here, basically. It's been a rough time, but I don't like to waste time. I don't like to waste time. So I'll get into the things. It's just, yeah, it's been a very tough couple of years, tough year. You know, I'm building this children's home, running the studio. Um, writing this book, raising a child, trying to be a baby girl, not punch anyone in the face or the throat. Um, there's just a lot. I've been doing a hell of a lot, um, you know, doing the live shows, everything. And it's been 
tough. And so I'm glad that I've tried to use different healing modalities to help me uh, big up Daps, Daps, uh, Dapua Deola, um, Daps Draws. He got me a gift card for my birthday um, from Botanical Mission. And I went there the other day and had a vajayshaw where they kind of like do the similar things to what they'll do to giving you a facial. They they will do it on your vajayjay, but not like near your vulva or anything, literally just on the top, like the pubic area, just on the top. Um, when I went, the steam machine didn't end up working, but I still had a great time. It was really relaxing. And I had a facial as well. So I, I don't, Daps didn't buy it for me specifically for my pom pom he just bought it generally and i saw that they had a treatment for my pom and i was like oh i'm gonna get that um so i had that i had reiki today so before coming to record this episode i actually had reiki earlier with um an amazing amazing person and um yeah if i can i'll post i'll post the um the details in then um their name's kabir I didn't check their pronouns, but it's Kabir. Kabir is the Reiki person that I went to and it was a pop-up in Peckham Levels. Um, it was Hajj that t- told me about them. Big up yourself, Hajj. And um, so I went and had my first ever Reiki session. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, and it was really interesting. Like, I didn't think I was dosing off. I thought I was very present, but clearly not because I was having random thoughts that maybe they were like mini dreams and my body was moving in various ways, like trying to shake things off, I guess. Um, so Reiki session with Kabir was great. Vajayshaw and facial with botanical mission was very, very cute. Um, one of the most transformative things that I've been doing that I was talking about earlier was, um, but that I've mentioned in previous episodes were my sessions, um, with Laurence. Um, so I'll put Laurence's, um, Instagram there because Laurence is now offering the, the sessions I've been having with her. She's offering it as a course. If you want to invest in your womb, you want to invest in yourself in that way. I would strongly recommend that you do it because I think that doing this course with her has been no cap life-changing life-changing it makes me even emotional to think about it like that there are black women out there who are able to hold me why am I getting teary fucking hell it's like what six minutes into the fucking episode Jesus um but that there are black women out there who are able to hold me while I do this whole phoenix thing of like death and rebirth and um you know big love to Laurence like that is a incredibly powerful healer my god like just so stunning as well I just find myself like staring at her she's so so beautiful um but just and and part of that beauty is just the spirit in her her energy is um just gorgeous um so the womb sessions I've been having also include body work sessions where it's a very very um spiritual sort of like some might call it a deep tissue massage but it's not that it's like you're going through your muscles to get to your soul and so that that's also in like part of the course and then I've got my inner child ceremony with her and I just know I'm going to be a mess when I have that ceremony and um yeah then another womb work session as well um, I've just felt like I've needed all of these things. I'm just moving into a very internal space. And it's interesting because when I had my um, Reiki session with Kabir, um, I was asked whether 
I Because we were talking about astrology Well just generally Anyway we're ch- having a chat before And I mentioned my Scorpio placements And that you know Scorpio Very much feeling like Going through this death and rebirth Blah 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 Then at the end of the Reiki session Kabir said I just get vibes from you though That you're a Virgo Like I just seriously get vibes from you That you're a Virgo Have you ever checked your um, your uh, Vedic Your Vedic astrology chart um, and so that's Vedic slash sidereal. I think they're one in the same chart. And that's what's used um, in the global south. Well, I say like literally like more Southeast Asia. Um, that's the kind of astrology that's used there. And so Vedic astrology, V-E-D-I-C, and I've mentioned it before on the podcast. In that astrology, they believe that all the stars move. Western astrology focuses on the fact that the the sun, that is the main star, is fixed and everything else orbits around it. Now, if you think about white supremacist, that's so mean. But if you think about just Western ideology generally and how egoic it is, of course, it would believe that one thing doesn't move and everything else has to move around it. But if I was on another galaxy and I was looking at you lot, look at me saying you lot like I'm not part of us lot. Your, your shit would be moving too So within Vedic astrology It does believe It does um, it does purport that All the stars move Like everything moves Because that is what life is It's wibbly wobbly Everything moves And so I was just like It's mad that you say that Because in Vedic astrology I'm a Virgo sun So yeah, I'm a Virgo sun And that's when Kabir was like See, I knew it I just knew you had Virgo vibes Like, yes, yes I was like, yeah I'm a Pisces rising In Vedic astrology And I'm a Virgo sun um, I've got a Libra la, 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 la. I think I've got a Libra moon still Let me have a look Let's have a look at my chart together Backpack, backpack No, let's have a look at my chart together So, let me see here so I think Kabir was surprised that I knew my chart. I know my, well, let me tell you, I know my chart this way, that way, front way, back way. I know my chart in every regard. Um, I, well, yeah, because I feel like it's a map. Your birth chart is a map and it helps you to figure out, you just need to find people who are good at reading maps to help you read it so you can understand more about where you're meant to go and what you're here to do. So anyway, in Vedic astrology, I am a Pisces uh, ascendant. I am a Virgo sun. I am a moon. Yeah, I'm a Libra moon. And the nakshatra is Svati. So I've, I, is that still a new moon? I don't know. Um, my Mars it will always be in Capricorn. Boop, boop, boop. Um, Mercury in Libra, Jupiter in Aquarius, which is interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, don't worry. Venus in Libra, Saturn in Scorpio, of course, Rahu in Pisces, Ketu in Virgo. So my South Node is in Virgo and my North Node is in Pisces. Um, and then there's bare other words that I don't understand. Um, oh, and then they're, they're like the, is it aspects? So yeah, so it was just really interesting to because people might be like, so this is why I know that astrology is some bullshit because why can you just change the da-da-da-da-da? Look, you are a three-dimensional being and even more dimensions as a soul. You can use any, you can like, think about it this way. I'm standing in the middle of a room. You're standing in the doorway. Somebody else, I don't know, is dancing on the ceiling. Somebody else is standing on the ceiling. I don't know why. Maybe they're a bat. 
So you've all got different perspectives to me of, of me, but one way or another, you've still got me, you know? So that's literally what it is. Like, regardless of how the names or the, the, the positions of these planets or these stars move around, when you look at everything in totem, when you look at all the houses, all the transits, we still come back to you because at the end of the day, there is an entirety of the universe within us. Like everything that makes up the universe makes us. So there will always be every single aspect of whatever is happening in us. It just shows up in different ways. I don't know why I was going off on that, but I just felt like I should share anyway. So um, I'm going to read more um, on that and see how I get on. Um, Yeah, so had that don't know why I'm telling you about this is what I mean I just go off on stuff and then I have to like find my way back but um anyway so I had those sessions my session with Laurence has been going amazingly and really discovering so many different things um pendulum massage with Pauline amazing as well again another reason that I just feel so safe around black women to be held by black women um it matters it really really matters to me and you know Pauline I've loved Pauline from the first moment I went to her haven't stopped going to her thank you so so much to all of you for my gift cards that allow me to book with um, Pauline because these nursery prices are no joke so I truly appreciate it um yeah like I've I just I've just been doing a lot of um a lot of stuff I'm um, a lot of growing what should I start with first um what should I start with first? Well, you know, like I've spoken a lot about like just various things that happen in my life. I'm not somebody that goes into my private life in that way. I don't talk about them things there because I'm just neurotically private. I don't like people being in my business, not even family members or friends. I don't tend to talk about my things like that. But for the past like year, working through like a separation through cost of living, all of this stuff, like living situations, not you know, have fluctuating, well, not mine, but you know, like just how living conditions, everything fluctuating has been a lot. So yeah, making that change from being like, I, you know, I mentioned in a previous episode that there was a point where I was even looking at my marriage and going like, I don't know if that this is what I need to be in right now because I'm being called to something and I don't know what, but I just need to go. You know, I need to be out in this world And some people, they can you can do that together But I also think that it's fair to not necessarily drag people Or bring people along on a, on a journey that is literally just about you um, So yeah, I, I'm in that space and I'm working it out I, I can't articulate it any more eloquently than that So anybody who's been doing 2 plus 2 Would have seen the themes from early in the other episodes anyway Especially when I'm talking about things like Oh I've got to sort out childcare and rah 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 Surely you'll use brain You'll use your head to carry it You would have worked it out But I'm glad that you didn't You weren't mad enough to be like I'm going to go and write a thread Because I think I know what's going on in her life Because I would. that's when That's when the, the earth would have opened up and eaten you up But um just having that space. I don't, girl, I don't know what I'd be saying. I don't know what I'm saying. Like I'm just working through it and, um, any observations, any things that I discover, you know, I'll let you know, but I think that energy moves like, and you've got to, you know, allow space for these things. And that's what I've been doing for the, however long. And so imagine trying to like write 
a short story collection, do the biggest live show of your life, do this, do that, do this, do that, while you're still trying to restructure essentially what your home life and your kind of like romantic or um, relational life looks like. It's been a lot. And I think that a lot of things have pushed me to breaking point. Um, not in necessarily in a bad way, because like, like the love that you have for people, that shit doesn't change. You just, but things move, like you have to allow for things to move. And all I think about is that song, Neo, um, I hope you find your way. Hey, sorry, we couldn't make it. Still, I miss you anyway. Yeah. I just grew and crude. What's it? I just grew and couldn't break it. How I wish perfect was enough for my own heart. Neo, I'm so sorry. I destroyed your song. But the thing is that your voice is so sick, yeah? That I can't do what you do. But all I was conveying is that I just grew and couldn't break it. Like that's when I've been listening to that song on repeat for, I think, pretty much most of this year. It is heartbreaking when you know that you know, this person's my chargey, like this person's got me, but where they're at and where I need to be, they're not the same. They're not the same. Oh, when you love someone, you just don't treat them bad. Oh, how I feel so sad now that I want to leave. He's be- Sorry, that song is wayward. That, does, that, <laughs> that song doesn't even encapsulate what's happening. That song doesn't even encapsulate what's happening. I'm sorry. Um, but Neo's song um is brilliant. But when she's like, I guess I'll wait another lifetime, nah, I mean, you had people had me in this lifetime. You had me in this lifetime. Like, come on, come on, come on. Um, but no, it's um, you know how I make jest of everything, but honestly, it's it's been a really, really, really tough time. And um, yeah, it's heartbreaking when you know that you could just stay here. You could just stay in this particular dynamic and just work with it. But you know, every time that you breathe in and you breathe out, that you are being called to do something bigger. And that's not to say that this thing is small, but this thing helped you to get to the point where now you're like, imagine like it helped you to get onto the top of the mountain peak and you're like, now I've got to jump off. I've got to see if I can fly. And and I don't, I wouldn't be mad enough to be like, come and jump with me because fam, I don't know if, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I might flap my arms and flap your wings. Flap, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? So you just have to let people give people space, um, to have their things so you can go on and do your thing. And, um, yeah. And I just don't think it's spoken about enough. You know, I don't have any, like, you know, Tia Maori, she was giving a girl them like graduation, this graduation that I ain't got it. I'm not eloquent in that regard. And I'm not somebody, if you notice, I don't actually speak about my deeper feelings with much eloquence because I don't like to share my deeper feelings. I'm incredibly guarded, very much uh, big, big fear of intimacy. So it's very interesting to me that of all the ways I would choose to communicate and to interact with the world is to have a podcast where then I'm sharing my thoughts very fucked but um yeah just give me that space and that's why I had to you know that's why I had to come for that fucking idiot in the previous episode 
because you don't know what people are going through. You don't know what people are having to deal with already, what they're working through um, and making peace with regarding whether it's my decision or whatever, or a joint decision or whatever. You don't know what people are working through. And then you just jump online because to a lot of you, like your lives only exist online and you're just talking shit. But you should always remember that there are people that I'm willing, ready and willing to go to war for, right? And I don't like, don't do that. I know that Jay talks about as a generator, don't amplify no. So I'm not trying to amplify a no. So because once people know that something irritates you, they try to do more of it because they're miserable and then there's no goodness in their lives, right? But it's important to know that I don't play when it comes to my family. I don't like it. Don't talk about my child. Don't talk about my partner, whichever, wherever, you know, however they've been in my life, whatever, don't. Because these, like, especially when it comes to the people that I care about in regards to, you know, um, my partner in a journey that we've had, he believed in me in a way that nobody, nobody ever asked. Like you, this podcast essentially wouldn't, can I say this? Because when them things come to divorce proceedings before people start asking for my, nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, this podcast wouldn't be what it is without him. I wouldn't do the studio thing without him. Not because there's any socioeconomic um, advantage. No, we both just have to rough it out together. But that's somebody that believed in my dreams. And you lot don't even believe in my physical existence. Like you would rather, some of you would rather I just don't even exist. But this person believed in, even when the thing was intangible, like it wasn't even yet fully formed. He was like, go for it. So they'll always, you know, they'll always be that. Like I will always go to bat for the people, for the person specifically that has ridden for me for the for the longest time. And, you know, you'll have your differences, you'll have your challenges. Um, but I always say like my, the issues that I see people talking about, they're literally not my issues. Like they're not the things that I'm actually working through. And maybe one day when I feel like I've got a steady enough ground underneath me, I might choose to then explore what those specific themes and dynamics were, but not before it's time. The only thing that is relevant for this time in order for me to be able to talk about the things that I want to talk about going forward, I needed to just like just get that out of the way. If you've used your brain, you would have clocked it. But in case you haven't used your brain, that's it. And I feel like it needed to be said because I just don't like people talking mad. So if anybody was like, ha ha, she's no longer with her white bill. Don't tempt me with a good time before I come and annoy you with another. <laughs> no, I look, I don't even have time for any of that right now. I just need to get this book published, get this book out there in the world, get all my things done. Like, there's so much that I need to do in terms of work. I don't have time. And and the work of myself as well, like 10 or so years with somebody, like I've grown and so much in that time. Like I, I came into this space already partnered. So like I just viewed things and I did things in a particular way. So we just kind of have to see where, you know, what I make of everything else from this point onwards but I just felt like it was important to say because I feel like some people feel like they're out there and oh I'm alone and I'm this and I'm that that that's what they're thinking about themselves and I'm fam it's exciting it's scary but it's exciting for me um this whole this this last year that's what it's been I've just been growing and growing and and really having to speak certain truths and 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 own certain things about myself 
about the ways that I utilize power and wield power. And I'm really grateful to Laurence for that because Laurence, through our sessions, our womb healing sessions and things like that, I just feel like I've been purging a lot of things emotionally and I'm, and I've been showing strength in ways that I wouldn't have thought imaginable. Um, and so I wish that for everybody, I hope that they get to go on that journey with Laurence. Like if she'll accept you, like she, I'm sure her waiting list will be mad. But um, if you are able to, and it's financial for, financially like um, viable for you, whatever, you do it because um, yeah, I'm not done. You know, I'm not done. I know that there's even more to come in terms of how I appear in the world. Um, and we just have to go with it. Um, apart from that, another thing is about the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You might've guessed it. This podcast might be coming to an end, you know, this podcast might be coming to an end. I don't know when, I don't know when. Um, but just because this ends doesn't, it basically everything is about right now. My theme is about that whole dynamic of death and rebirth. This is going to be a long fucking episode, man. I'm only just doing the intro. I haven't even done the tarot. And it's like an hour and a half of one conversation, an hour of another conversation. Jesus of the broadcasting airwaves. Um, this whole vibe that I'm on is about death, rebirth and, um, going on a journey, going on a journey to, to, to find meaning in more than just what these British Isles present me. There's so much more to be seen and to be experienced. And I want to, I just want to see the world, you know, on an Aladdin vibe. I just, let me show you the world. Yeah. I just want to see, man. I just want to be out here um, and learn. So just because the podcast might end at a certain point doesn't mean that I won't be, you won't have access to me. In fact, if I get it right, if I get this shit right, you might actually have more of me than a weekly thing. Some, some of you be like, fucking hell no, fuck off. Um, but hear me out, hear me out. In my moment of getting spiritual downloads, yeah, I thought to myself at one point, so this ends this particular podcast format, because maybe I don't want to say suck your mum anymore. Maybe, maybe I don't want to say suck your mum anymore. Right. At some point, whenever that might be, what I'd like to do is a daily thing. Now I really feel like the universe should bless me with a daily show that's hosted on my website behind, you know, people have to subscribe for it, but it's like well-produced super cute. And, um, that's what I would like. But at the same time, I also said I wanted a G wagon and the good Lord ignored me. I said, I wanted to go to the F1 races this year. I, I was permitted to go to one. Um, so it's clear to me that the things that I want don't mean a motherfucking thing to the spirit realm. They don't give a shit what I want. They care about what I need and what is for the highest good of all. So I can have all of these ideas, but it is what it is. So I'd like a daily shooting that's visual, all of that stuff. Saying that before the podcast ends, I really want to get better at making the video version of these episodes, but I need an assistant, somebody that is very flexible and um, can 
that's dedicated, punctual, hardworking, all of that stuff that can, and of course it'll be paid, that will be with me when I'm recording to just press the cameras. So I know that I've got the footage to then send to whichever editor I want to use if Brent can or cannot do it. Because I would like there to be a video element to this, but doing it by myself is too much. And I think that these are some of the realizations that I'm coming to as well. Like I, I do a lot by myself. I do so much by myself. And I think that that's the aspect that was breaking me. Like I can't keep doing all of this stuff um, by myself. It's okay to ask for help. And um, saying that I've had amazing help during this time. I want to big up my homie, my homie for life. Kevin Morosky, because, you know, that's my, that's, that's my homie, you know, like I will be talking about some things and just the insight, just the space that he allows for me to be like a mess is great. And always believing in my potential. Um, Yeah. Like all, all, like I've got great, great friends you know but really that that stands out to me at this time to mention Kevin um so with before that happens let's say I can't have this daily show thing straight away if this podcast were to evolve maybe there's already other podcasts out there like that but I would like a daily podcast that's no longer than 15 or 30 minutes um, probably 15 minutes because I can't give 30 minutes all the day, um, every day. I'll say that and then I'll be forced to by the spirits. But um, let's say that, um, I've got to speak to her in a minute. That's Marla. Um, a daily podcast, very short. And it's my first thought. Literally, whatever the first thought is that I have when I wake up, that is what the podcast will be about. That's it. 15 minutes of just that. because. In regards to all the things that I cover on this podcast, I feel like I've covered quite a bit. Like people act like they don't know who I am, but literally I've got how many, I've got over 200 episodes of this podcast. Check the resume, bitch. Like there's nothing else really to prove because at this point, anybody that doesn't see my light, that doesn't see what I'm trying to do and and what I put out there, then they're not worth my time. A stupid motherfucker said to me the other day, um, you're not healed at all. And I thought to myself, duh, duh. I never claimed I was like, I've literally got a deck of affirmation cards. That's called a dickhead in recovery. Although the other day, Kevin Morosky did tell me that I don't even know why you called it that you should just be, it should just be dickhead. Cause you're just a dickhead. But <laughs> it's cause I was saying wild things. I was saying very wild things to him, but, um, I've literally got a deck of affirmation cards called a dick affirmations for a dickhead in recovery. Nothing that I've shared about myself can ever be used against me. Like I gave you that. So I, if I gave you the weapon, I know how it works. I know how it works and I know how to protect myself against it. I made these affirmation cards because I'm a dickhead in recovery. I've never claimed to be woo-woo and to be righteous and to, and to know all of the things and to have gotten all of the things right. I get things wrong a lot, a lot, but I get it wrong. And I'm like, guys, look what I've learned about something that I fucked up on. Isn't that how we're all meant to be living rather than performing goodness for the public when you're far from it? I haven't got that time. I haven't. And so, yeah, I just think, shut up. 
Because there's always somebody that lacks self-awareness that wants to come and tell you this and that because it, it's them projecting because they don't want to actually do the work that you're doing. They don't want to go in as far as you go in to yourself to bring up all the things that they might be uncomfortable with. Like these episodes speak for themselves. I feel like I'm well within my right to then go, you know what, I want to move on to something else. And I don't know what that thing might be, but I've got to go and search for it. And that doesn't mean that this is, I'm not saying that, that I've said that now and then boom, um, you know, the podcast luck off, you know, the podcast will probably be here um, for a little bit, you know, but it's just making everybody aware that I am changing. Sorry, no, but yeah, you you get it. You get it. But um, why is all of this happening? Interesting. It's what I want to know. All of these different things. November the 11th, Uranus retrograde, sextiled Jupiter in Pisces, which was also retrograde. And guess what I did? I booked a trip to Peru. I'm going to Peru. I'm going to Peru in the new year. I'm going to the Peru. I'm going to, I was going to say, I'm going to the Peru. Peru, para, eh, Peru, Peru, para. <laughs> I'm, ooh, even Peru donde para, way. One in one, one me, one in one, one me. I'm in the ayahuasca retreat, jamming. <laughs> I'm going to an ayahuasca retreat in Peru in the new year. I want to see what grandmother Aya has to tell me. I am so fucking scared. Everybody listen to me now. I am fucking bricking it. I am so fucking scared. But at the same time, I am so excited. I'm so excited. I can't hide it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I want to, I want to. I'm scared But you know I've got If we're going with Western astrology Let's use that as the preface I've got Saturn in Sagittarius In my ninth house Travel to faraway places Higher learning Saturn being there um, So after my 36th birthday The requirement that I level up on my learning people keep asking me whether I'm gonna consider becoming a therapist and I don't think I will but I do think that I need certain modalities of what it means to do that work in another regard um and I feel like in some ways people have found this podcast to be some kind of therapy in it so you know I'm I'm helping by just sharing myself people take of my people take the medicine of me at their will some people are like I don't want that medicine because for whatever reason, that's fine, but it won't stop me, you know, being me. So you can take me, you know, dose at a time, whatever you prefer. It is what it is. So 36 hit and I was just like, Megan, like I've, I've got to go. I'm very scared. And someone said to me, oh, you know, remember you're a black woman. And just because these people are indigenous doesn't mean that they're not going to be, um, you know, perpetuating anti-blackness and misogynoir. And I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. All I can do is really pray to the most high and pray to, you know, all of the Orisha, everybody to just guide and guard me because, you know, this is part of that growth. It's very scary. I'm going on my own, going on my own. Um, But I need to, like all of these things have been building for a while. I just feel like I've outgrown this country. I 
I say it in when you're listening to my conversation with Lorraine and Amina, I say it at one point that I really feel like I'm in the land of the dead. Um, you know, in Psalm 23 and says, yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will, well, sorry, I, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, um, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I feel like Britain is the valley of the shadow of death, but it's only a shadow. It's like a shadow, but it's a shadow that's cast over everything. And yet people can't see beyond it. And so if there's a shadow, that means that there's sunlight somewhere. I've got to follow the sun. I've got to. You know, and I've been saying it in podcast episodes and these tarot readings that kept coming up. And I was just like, I'd be reading for people and I'd be like, I feel like I'm getting dragged. Why am I in it? Now, why am I in it? Like, follow the sun. I've got to follow the sun. I've got to, I've got to go. Um, But this first, you know, this part is on my own. I don't know what the ayahuasca uh, will bring up for me. That's what I'm scared about because it's just like, I know that I work from a place of fear based off um, childhood trauma and things like that, or that, you know, fear is there. Like fear is very prevalent in my psyche. And so I wonder what I'll be shown during that experience about what it is that I am so scared of. Child, I don't want to be seeing no snakes, but I just, yeah, I just, I don't know, you know? Um, But I thought I'd share that, that, these are the things that I'm doing But it's funny that I did that The moment that, you know, Jupiter and Pisces Sorry, Jupiter in Pisces and Uranus interacted Because Uranus is about sudden change Like boom, 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 you know, that sudden change And in Jupiter, it's that space of spirituality In, spi- um, in Pisces, that space of um, spirituality Happening in my 12th house The thing that feels unreachable There is an aspect of my psyche that feels unreachable Yet I am imprisoned by it because I operate from that space in order to free myself, to liberate myself. There is a journey I need to go on. And, you know, sometimes it requires that radical, it requires that radical change. Um, So yeah, that transit started happening. I didn't even realize the transit was happening. I was just on my phone at like 5am and I was like, I need to go to Peru. Um, And then I booked the things, booked my retreat and um, I'll be out soon enough. Don't, don't, Impede on my boundaries by asking me when I'm going and where I will not be sharing that with you Go and do your own thing Um, But yeah, I just felt like I feel like, you know, there'll be many more things like this That I tell you about uh, that I'm doing And the reason I've told you that is because when If there is no podcast, you'll know why But I'll let you know just before um, Well, I don't know if I'll let you know just before I go Because evil eye and them things there But um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a heads up somehow um, but you know, um, uh, Ahime had a, made a really good point. Um, she had a post up a few days ago or a couple of days ago where she spoke about the fact that it's a we- very Western ideology or it's a very Western way of seeing things where you feel like you need to detach and you need to kill your ego and you need to do this and you need to do that. Whereas in Yoruba spirituality, your ego and your selfhood is very much a part of your human experience. This is why you came here. If you were just going to be in spirit form in the, in the human world, what the fuck are you here for then? The whole point of it is to get, and this is why when I see other like spiritual women, you know, and we have our conversations and I know that they're going through it in their relationships, usually with cishet men, but they're going through it in their relationships. You almost think to yourself like, 
but why why would you be going through it? Because we are discovering the truth. So why aren't we kind of like living in that space? And it's because you've come here for the messiness of what it means to interact with human life and to and to love in a human way. You already know what it is to love perfectly in a spirit form. You've got to learn what it is to love imperfectly in human form. It is messy. It is messy and it is downright horrid and disgusting somehow but we we chose this assignment so you know we get on with it you know we get on with it there is there are lessons to be learned about what that means um one of the stories in the short story collection actually does touch on that I, I want it to be the last story in the collection but I'll let you know if it does end up being the last story um so you know I feel it for us I feel it for us all but um you know it is what it is. We're here to grow. We're here to learn. Um, and we're le- here to kind of be the best versions of ourselves that we can be. Um, and you know, I love that for us. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? I went to see Black Panther. <laughs> that was a subject change. I went to see Black Panther twice. That was, um, great. I went to the premiere which I thought was interesting, but I won't go into that today because this is already 40 minutes and I haven't even gotten into the bulk of the episode. Um, I, so yeah, went to the premiere and then Kevin Morosky, uh with POC, his organization set up with Nana, they put on um, an event at Ritzy in Brixton where they bought out a sh- uh, one of the um, screens and gave free tickets to black people that wanted to come through and watch Black Panther. And um it was really, really great environment. Some of you people, when people give you free things, try to act like you've got a, a bit of sense and a bit of gratitude because there was a certain guy that was there at this event and the way he was moving was very, very disrespectful to Pock as a whole. I didn't like his vibe, but that's by the by. Um, but yeah, anyway, I say all of that to say Namor or Namor as they like to call you. I love you. Like, you know, I love villains, but my God, I love Namor. Nino Sinamor. Oh my God. Wow. Everybody knows if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, you know, I love villains. Yo, the way I'm feeling about the world right now, if he had asked me if I want to burn up the world to, oh, I'd have put on my scuba diving kit so quickly Give me the heart-shaped herb immediately And I thought that that was interesting No spoiler, well, kind of spoiler But see, all of them people took the heart-shaped herb And that's why they were all able to do the things that they were able to do And power up Why can't the Wakandans also all have the heart-shaped herb? Because that would be the true reflection of a democratic society, no? Very interesting times Um, but yeah, that was an interesting film. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share that, that I just love Namor. Um, Namor. Um, so let's see what happens if they decide to make another one. Uh, we elongated Musty, also known as Elon Musk, um, apartheid baby. Emerald King of the Emerald Mines uh, Got Twitter Has been doing some bullshit with Twitter Everyone's You know Very worried that Twitter's going to go down Any day now Um, 
I'm fine with it. If Twitter goes, I'm fine because I've solved all my mysteries, like where people were the night before their traditional weddings and such like. I've solved all my mysteries. Scooby dooby doo. You know, I'm good. But um, no, generally speaking, I wouldn't care. Like the people who should be worried are the ones that you've crafted your entire identity on Twitter. Um, and so that's why you can't even deactivate really because that's 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 the version of you that you can live with the the real life version of you not so much um but yeah i've been saying it for ages and ages and ages do not let pluto move into aquarius and you lot have not sorted out a way to exist offline whether it's like your website or your podcast or have something that somebody can't just come and switch the lights off on you know where your things are at all times I implore you because this is only the beginning of the shit getting cray cray sort your things out um oh and what else I had a reading um I had two readings two tarot readings recently one is from zen guidance that's her name on tiktok i think and she's got a youtube channel brilliant tarot reader brilliant i don't tend to go to white girls i think she's spicy white um i don't tend to go to white girls for readings but she slaps she slaps you know very very on point um um it wasn't her reading another reading that told me that oh there was someone that was trying to be around me um, because they wanted proximity to like quote unquote fame or slash money or whatever. I ain't got the money, baby. But you know, the fame part, I don't even think I have that. But it's through getting to know me that then they became conflicted because they're like, oh, she's a nice person. So if that's you, ha, they got your number. Um, I think that's enough. Fucking hell, 44 minutes. All right, let me just do um a young Tara. I'm sure there was something I was meant to cover there in all my long talking. There was probably something I was meant to cover that I've forgotten. Uh, I've forgotten about but I'm sure there'll be other episodes to go into that so we're just going to do a quick pick a par reading because I haven't done a pick a par with you in ages pick a par reading I want you to think about um blue red orange blue red or orange blue red or orange choose a color blue red or orange blue red or orange that is going to be your pile blue red or orange don't try me about 59 cards what do I look like matting blue red orange so I've just done blue got the cards for blue red spirits tell me what you want to tell the reds baby so this is a way for you to practice um honing in on your intuition I pray that the message that you are looking for at this time finds you um how many cards is this because you will not have me reading mad things um it's that part of oranges lot oranges and lemons said the bells of king clements i've had enough of coca melon is that coca melon or that other one baby bump them fucking shows man okay hold on Tell them what you did. I'm a it in the bin, but I still look at you. Um, what did I say? Blue, red, orange. Yeah, blue, red, orange. So blues, you're up first. You've got the nine of cups and you've got the two of pentacles that came out in reverse. That's blue. Nine of cups, two of pentacles in reverse. Nine of cups, like, come on. 
You can't be here like being indecisive about what's going to lead to your prosperity. I think for some of you, you've made a decision. You've made a decision and you're like, shit, I really, really, I'm going to pull an extra card for this. I really made that decision and I don't know what, what's going to lead to. I'm scared. I don't know. Like, what if I'm going to be broke? What if this? What if that? Don't worry about that because it's your success is guaranteed. Like your nine of pentacles, the fulfillment that you're seeking is there. Is there, but some of you haven't made the decision yet. You're using this whole idea of I, I need to have options. I need to have options so I can feel safe. I need to have options. But the thing is, in trying to have lots of options, the option that will serve you best will leave. That is the thing in this life. Be decisive because either way, whatever you choose, put all of you into it and you're going to get something out of it. But all of this nonsense of like, oh, I can't, like, listen up. Making no decision is also a decision. The decision to make no decision is a decision. So you either do the work or the work gets done for you in one way or another, but you can't complain then when the work gets done for you. I now remember what I was going to share with you. It was from the pattern. I'll do it in a second. The pattern is one of the apps that I use, the astrology apps. Before they used to be really dege dege and they wouldn't put, um, they wouldn't put, the transits that were happening or the aspects, the astrological transits that were happening or the um, aspects that were happening, they wouldn't put it. So you would just read something and it's so ominous and you're like, I don't even know what this, the fuck this means. Now they've added it. So there's a my Uranus interacting with my Venus. There is a lot. Uranus is just really dealing with me right now, but um, I'm going to share what it says because it's so interesting that I did all of these things before reading that and I've still got five months left of the transit. So pray for me. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it. Anyway, back to this. Making no decision is still a decision. Exactly. We've got the 10 of wands here and we've got the son of swords in reverse. So the knight of swords in reverse that came out. You'll keep carrying everybody else's load. You'll still, you'll keep carrying all of your baggage into every situation. You'll keep, oh spirit, don't do that to me, baby. Ow. That Reiki session really helps because I feel like a clear channel. You will keep carrying your baggage to all of your blessings unless you desist from this wayward way of thinking. You have to. You operate from a space of lack. You operate from a space of, if I choose this, then I'm going to lose this. But this is life. This is the life that we are living. You make a decision and yes, it might mean that you don't get the other, you don't get the other option yet or never, but there is, there's prosperity and there's fulfillment in the decision that you have made in the choice that you have made. Commit to something in this life, for God's sake, commit to something. Because this fear of I can't commit to this and I can't commit to that, I can't commit to this means that you're not committed to anything. So you're just flailing in the wind of life. Don't get blown into the, don't get blown into the, the, the top of a volcano. Sort yourself out. But you're also, when I see the 10 of wands that comes up in this, you're taking paracetamol for other people's headaches. So some of you might even be like, you pride yourself on being pleasers. Like, oh, I look after everybody. I care about everybody's well-being. It is a lie really, truly, and really and truly, your preoccupation with other people's problems is speaking to your inability to prioritize yourself. Drag me, Lord. 
you're not prioritizing yourself. And so tomorrow, tomorrow, when you haven't achieved the things that you want to achieve in life, you can turn around and be like, yeah, but it's because I was helping everybody else. Help yourself. Help yourself first. Make a decision. Stop waiting necessarily for you to, for people to choose you and choose yourself. Choose yourself. And then you choose somebody. Like sometimes, why are you sitting on the shelf? Get off the fucking shelf and choose something. Do something. You know, stand up. For fuck's sake, stand up. You know? And the reason I say that with such vim is because you've got the nine of cups here. Your wish is coming true. Like emotional fulfillment of like, it's not 10 of cups, but nine is pretty fucking good. But to get to that nine, you have to drop the 10 of wands. You have to drop the 10 of wands. You have to stop this kind of weird indecision. Like, oh, I need all these options, though. They make me feel like I'm about something. Let it go. Let it go. Because otherwise, son of swords in reverse, which is basically the knight of swords in reverse. You're just going to keep charging and charging in the wrong direction. Don't do that to yourself. Um, Did I say blue, red, orange? Or did I say blue, orange, red? Blue, red, orange. Anyway, I'm saying that this is the orange deck that I'm doing now. So that was blue. And this is orange that I'm about to read for now. The Hierophant, big up yourself. The five of swords, the two of swords in reverse, the emperor in reverse, the 10 of, uh, sorry, the wheel of fortune. So orange deck, what have you got? You've got the Hierophant. You are changing and growing in terms of what your belief systems are, you are becoming the authority in your life. You were raised to believe that other people are the authorities in your life. And then now you're actually growing to the point where you realize that you are the sole authority, like you call the shots and you're believing in your own inherent sovereignty. And that is so, so important in this life because when conflicts arrive, because we've got the five of swords here and I'm using the Afro goddess tarot arcana's deck, and the five of swords, if you want to look up the picture, um, this person's licking their swords because it looks like they've stabbed everyone in the back, to be honest. And then the, their four swords are on like in the ground and they're licking their sword. And I think that as, as graphic as the image is, blood of my enemies, bring it. Blood of my fucking enemies, bring it. Like, when you, when you step into the fact that you are the sole authority in your life and that anybody that wants to chat for you, that wants to come and chat, bad man, that take back chat. What? Like, stand in your truth. There will be people who are so intimidated by the fact that you are closer to your truth than they are, like, closer to their lies. Like, they, you are so close to your truth that all they know are their lies, the lies that keep them cold at night. And in you, they fear that, and this could be family members, this could be work colleagues, you standing and owning your own inner authority doesn't, will end up intimidating a lot of people because they're just like, I don't know what that feels like. So I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm going to come at this person on a mad vibe. It's not yours to internalize blood of my enemies. That's all you need to whisper to yourself when people try you these days, just say blood of my enemies, because that's what will be, that's what they'll spill. It'll be themselves. They'll be the ones, you know, cutting themselves and throwing themselves or they'll fight each other. That's what I pray over you. The person, the people that chose this deck, 
that when your enemies think that they're going to come and fight you, they're only going to fight each other because you have no enemies. You have no enemies. Like you are doing what you were called to do. You're standing in your truth. You're walking further into your truth, right? So whatever they think that they're doing, leave it to them because they're all going to turn on each other. Because if the only thing that's holding them together is their dislike of you, ha, they're going to fall apart very, very quickly because it is not possible the way that you are, where you are headed, the things that you're doing, that they can maintain that. It's not sustainable. Hatred is not sustainable. It isn't. Love is the only ever self-replenishing source in this life. So they can do whatever they want to do. And the reason that that message is important for you is because you've got the two of swords in reverse, baby. You've got to let the grudges go. I do not like this reading. What the fuck? You've got to let the grudges go. Two of swords over your heart. You've got to stop being so defensive. Not everybody is out to attack you. Of course, there have been many attacks and there have been many ways that you've been hurt in the past. But at the same time, why am I thinking of a close man, uh, a close mouth don't get fed? So I don't mind asking for head. You hear what I said? No, so sorry. Um, You deserve to be fed. You deserve to be nourished. But at the moment your mouth's closed because you're like, I'm not opening my mouth. I don't want anyone to know that I need anything. They don't need to know that I'm not going to let them have the pleasure of knowing that I'm here wanting things or that I desire things. Don't do that. Don't do that. Your desires and your wants are just as valid as the next person's. Like, uncross your heart. Unbreak my heart. Ronky, Ronky, say that you love me again. Did Lil' Kim tell Tony Braxton that she can't enunciate? <laughs> Undo this hurt your cause when you walked out the door and walked out of my life. Uncry these tears. Oh, Tony was singing. Woo! Tony was singing. Jesus is Lord. Jesus of the vocal cords. Tony Braxton was singing. Uncross your heart. Yeah, uncross your heart. People have wronged you. Yes, that there's no denying that. People have hurt you. Yes, there's no denying that. But should that stop you from letting your heart have space to soar? Nah, nobody, nothing is worth that. Nobody and nothing is worth your heart not beating the way that it deserves to. Nobody. We've got the emperor card here in reverse. Sometimes for some of you, for some of us, this might be a father wound situation. If you are so used to situations where, and I'm just using this archetypally, that you haven't felt a sense of protection and then you move towards people who essentially can't ever provide that protection and then you become their protector, yet still leaving yourself open to and susceptible to harm and to feeling like neglected and things like that, that's not going to serve you either. And it's only by opening your heart and um, allowing your desires and the things that you require to come forth, can you stand in your own authority? You know, we've got the wheel of fortune here upright, which says that you are you're entering a very, very lucky phase in your life. You've always been lucky, baby. You've always been lucky. You wouldn't be here if you weren't lucky slash blessed, whichever word you want to use for it, interchangeable as far as I'm concerned right now. You've always been lucky because otherwise you wouldn't be here, right? And that's not to say the people who aren't here are unlucky. I'm not trying to, you know, because I know some of you, you like to tussle. I'm not saying that. 
I'm saying you're still here because there's so much goodness still waiting for you and you are lucky because like you you have received protection to get even I know that really fucked up things have happened but you've received protection to get you to this to get you this far and and what's going to happen now is as you stand in your own authority even when you feel like you know things might feel a bit challenging and tough you are still going to see that more than ever luck 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 continues to find you almost like serendipitous like really things that seem like synchronistic in nature will just continue to find you because this is what spirit has always wanted for you the more that you align with your higher self there is a future you that is like living the life that you are working so so hard for right now and all they require of you is to surrender to what is like you there's only you've done as much as you can do right now you have to flow with life you have to and by flowing with life and standing in your authority, you know that whatever comes your way that you need to make a decision about, you know that you will make the best decision for yourself in that in that moment. So you don't have to fret. Everything, 100% of all of the things that have come your way, you've been able to ne- negotiate and navigate your way through. So anything that is to come, what makes you think, if you've already, if, if you, this is your success rate, why do you think that's going to be any different going forward? You just didn't see it as a success because them the life really tried to badge you up. That's how you saw it. But you're badder than that. So we move. We move. On that note, I'm so glad the F1 season is over. That is all I have to say about that. Um, so that was uh, blue, orange, red. So now this is the reds that I'm reading for. We've got the daughter of wands looking towards the death card in reverse. And then we've got the eight of swords. And then we've got the four of cups. Beautiful. Daughter of wands. Some of you are waking, are wake, are awakening to the fact that you are red carnelian, that there's a passion of yours that you need to chase. And there's the sun behind her, literally. So she's following the sun. In order for that to happen, the death card is here in reverse. You have to let the things that no longer serve you, you have to let them go. You you just have to let them go. Not everything can you bring along with you. You've got to pack light. You've got to. You've got to pack light. And it feels challenging, but the red carnelian is there dressed in red. The success is inevitable. We've got the eight of swords here. Um, under next to the death card in reverse because there are only so many ways that you can deny who you're there's only so many ways that you can deny being called by your true name we all have the names that we're given on earth sometimes we vibe with them sometimes we don't because some of you who are called charity you are not charitable at all that felt like a that was so random I'm so sorry um but there is only so there are only so many ways that you can den- deny hearing your the call of your true name like you who you are maybe that's Wakanda vibes but hearing your true name and following that calling can feel scary but you have to listen you have to listen because that is where your peace resides and that's why we've got here the four of cups because in this four of cups this person is sitting on the top of like a mini like a hill like a little mountain thing and they're being offered a cup and usually in the traditional decks we see them um refusing the cup because they're they're throwing a strop but this one means that they are in a meditative state and they're wearing purple which is super regal 
and the sun is behind them. So it's like the daughter of wands goes through the valley of the shadow of death and they go through breaking away all of the ways that they didn't see themselves in their true glory because they're still wearing the red and they move into a state of wearing purple. Um, it's funny that then this is the red deck. They're wearing a st- into a state of wearing purple because they've finally found a space of peace and tranquility. And in this space where they are just sat there in a receiving posture, then God is offering offering them their fourth cup. And I believe that then the fifth will come and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and the ninth and the tenth. There is power in stillness. There is power in stillness and in knowing. You know, don't let that... Um, don't let that kind of evade you. Yes, it's scary to let things go. But if you can imagine that exactly seven years from now, you're going to look back on this moment in your life and seven came up for a reason, I don't know. But in exactly seven years, you're going to look back on your life and you'll be like, Ra, where would I be if I'd held on to that? If I'd held on to that dynamic? You're being called. The, you in seven years is like, baby, I'm having the best time get with the winning team. And yes, while these things might feel scary, you don't know where, you know, where you're being called to go um, with this red carnelian, all you feel is the passion. So some of you, I feel like it's a work situation. You're in your work situation and you're like, I've built, I've been at this thing for so long. I don't know any different. I've been at this job. I've been known as this thing for so long. But for instance, you could be a lawyer I'm having a great time being a lawyer, but really what you want to do is entertainment management. You do still need your skills from your lawyer life, but entertainment management, it requires something else of you. You don't logically know why you're being called there, but you know that you'll excel in that space. So lean into that. Like don't get trapped in life by labels. Go where you're being called because when you get there, you'll find that all the things that you've been waiting for sort of like find their way to you. And then you can enjoy it and be in stillness there. Even if you're moving, you can still be in internal stillness. So those are the readings, basically. Fucking hell, now it's an hour and four minutes. Um, but I covered most things. Oh, let me quickly say what um, my current transit is that I wanted to read to you earlier from the pattern, which was, um, I've got so many transits happening. Um, this one, was it this one? No, it's not the one that's got 11 months left. Ha, no. Um, maybe it's this one. Is it? Is that one five months as well? Let me see. No, so that's South Node. Con, uh, was it conjunct Pluto? Leave me alone. Um, all the South Nodes. Bloody hell! A girl can't even catch a break. Expect the unexpected. Yes, Uranus op- opposing my Venus. It says here. During this cycle, you may feel a strong impulse to change, even if it's just for the sake of doing so. You may want to do something unexpected, break the boundaries of convention or act outside of the box. You may feel driven to go past what's normal for you, to try new things and explore uncharted territory. It could feel like you're being forced to embrace aspects of yourself that you may have only imagined. You might be drawn to novel experiences and feel a tremendous desire to not be like anyone else or identify with ordinary reality. Motivated, motivated, motivated by the forces of innovation and individual expression, you're discovering entirely new ways of thinking and being. Or unexpected and radical changes may come from the outside, propelling you forward to embrace your authentic self. These circumstances fall well beyond what's considered normal or average. At times, these events may seem dramatic 
traumatic and uncomfortable, but they're part of an important initiation. You might find yourself, um, you might find your perspective shifts or you have an exciting experience and learn something new. This can feel exhilarating if you're game, but unnerving if you're not. You might feel on edge or uncomfortable. If you have an uneasy feeling inside, this is probably why. Being in control will be difficult. If you're not used to this kind of unpredictable energy and you're someone who likes routines and plans ahead, drag me, it might feel erratic. One moment things seem fine and then without warning, a dramatic turn alters everything. Try to be flexible and not take it personally when things abruptly change. Let go of needing to decide the outcome and stay open to whatever comes your way. Sometimes that seems like a setback. Sometimes what seems like a setback may be the best thing for you. Don't judge the changes. You're being taken where you need to go and pushed past your limits. This incredible cycle is shattering what has served you in the past and how you once identified yourself or defined yourself. It's like being hit by lightning, but in a good way. I don't know how that would ever be a good thing, but in a good way, cracking you open so more light gets in. Be willing to go against the grain of your usual routine and clear space for something new to emerge. So that is my urine, well, that's transiting... Uranus is it conjunct opposing my Venus I think that's what it is could be wrong um I think it is because on the Chani app it's got um the same thing but it explains it differently let me just see if it'll come up Chani man oh sorry it's up now uh where is it your long-term themes yeah Uranus is doing a lot Uranus is sextiling my Jupiter um Pluto conjunct my Mars that's been fucking me in the eyeball um, Jupiter sextiling your Mars, yet more energy, Saturn squaring your Venus. Woo, that's been a lot. Um, it's funny because why haven't they put it here? Is it short term? For some reason, let me see. Well, Chani hasn't decided to have it. But anyways, Chani does have, Chani does have um, Saturn squaring my Venus. It says, yeah, what is it that one that I wanted? Hmm. Um, yeah, that shifts and changes. Anyway, yeah, let me read this one, Sha. If you feel burdened by the obligations you can't evade, remember that taking many breaks from them is your right. Rest is not a luxury, but a necessity, especially when life feels overwhelming, lacking pleasure and connection. When loneliness is pervasive, get to the sources of sweetness that are available to you. Nature, art, mentorship. There can be palpable and concrete adjustments required in your relationships right now. Commitment is key, but be clear about what you actually want to commit to and which um, you just feel pressured to conform to. That was a word. That was a word. I'm going to find you why Chani doesn't have that thing, but Chani, Chani's funny sometimes. Um, and also I think that with Chani, if a planet moves out of a particular area, it doesn't keep it there. Whereas the pattern just keeps it there long-term. But anyway, that's by the by. Some of you do not give a fuck about what I'm talking about in that regard. Let me just big up the first of this week's show sponsors before I get to chatting with Jade and Kia. The first of this week's show sponsors who are Wine 52. Big up one of this week's show sponsors who are Wine 52. It is, we're getting closer to Christmas, baby. And what better way to celebrate than with some gorgeous wines from my favorite wine club, Wine 52, for free. All you need to do is go to www. wine 52 that's wine52.com forward slash straws 
and cover the postage costs of $8.95. That's £8.95. And you'll get three bottles delivered to your door. Um, Obviously, I've been um, rocking with them for a while now and I absolutely love it. And they're all about showcasing the very best wines from a different region each and every month. So you have the choice of mixed or red only or white only case. And also included is their magazine or called Glug, which delves into each region's wine culture and two snakes, um, snakey snacks, tasty snacks as well. So after your free case, you will join the monthly wine club. There's no minimum commitment. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any time. So remember that's wine52 to wine52.com forward slash straws to claim your free case of delicious wine today. And I know that a lot of you might be needing that, you know, you're going to go and visit your boo. You're going to go and get your cost of living crisis cocky. You know, jump on a train, you get there. They've got cheap wine for you. This way you don't have to have no cheap wine, you know, that you only drink a little bit of. Like you could take your own wine, you know, take your own wine and enjoy. Um, and you can do that by going to www.wine52, that's W-Y-N-E 52.com forward slash straws. Just cover the postage, £8.95. And you can go there, get your back blown now, and you have some decent wine to actually have while you are there. Christmas time, boom, boom, mistletoe and white. Da-da. Anyway, let me get to share your magnificence. So for Share Your Magnificence, I am chatting with the incredible Jade and Kia um, from the Getting Grown podcast. Uh, They're two Black American women who are absolutely amazing and such great vibes. I was on their podcast um, a little while ago, just a few weeks ago now. And so you can listen to that episode. And um, yeah, I just thought that we should, you know, do this have this chat and I know that you'll enjoy them as much as I enjoy them like just incredible women like such fantastic insights and it just goes to show like we're all on the same wavelength over here in England where they are in America like we're all out here just trying to figure this thing out so yeah I hope that you get your life and two slaps on their chest for joining me on um, this episode and um, yeah back in a bit so now the baby girls have joined me, Jade and Kia from Getting Grown Podcast. Hey! Ew, what's up, everybody? <laughs> this is the absolute best because I'm always saying like, you know, the American babes, they have the best vibes as it pertains to me. And, you know, coming on your podcast was such it was so enriching and it was so nurturing and we'd already planned this even before, you know, I got to come on. Mm -hmm. And so now being able to chat with you in this space as well, just, it absolutely means the world to me that we're connecting in that way. Do you feel like over the years you've connected more? Have you always, have you both kind of always been like transatlantic babes, like just talking to people (laughs) across the pond generally? Um, Ooh, I have, did I have any British friends coming up? No, I did not. I'll be honest. I did not have, I, it was not um, intentional or by choice. Mm-hmm. I just, it was really like an access issue mm-hmm. growing up. I really didn't encounter as many specifically like people of color um, yeah. who live over there. Um, and so learning recently how vibrant and rich uh, diasporic culture we have over there has really been a special treat for yes. me because 
honestly coming up, I, I was not ever sort of told that there was such a rich history of blackness <laughs> over uh, yeah, in, no, that, in the UK. Yeah. We, and everyone, I was really. under the impression that everybody in the UK, and I'm so sorry, <laughs> was white with bad teeth. And <laughs> like, that is literally the extent of what we've got. You know what I'm saying? A little Peter Pan here and there. Yeah. And I think the internet has been such a instrumental tool in being able to unify us. Mm-hmm. The tropes. And, you know, where, yeah. where, you know, it's black in black in Britain and it's black in, in, in mm-hmm. the Netherlands yes. and we're able to really connect. And now we can branch out because I've never stepped foot overseas. I'm actually, I'm gonna be real honest. I'm a little scared. I was oh, a little wow. scared to come overseas because I'm like, man, I don't know what this is about to be like. <laughs> You'll probably end up wanting to stay, to be honest. Let me tell you something, because the amount of Black American women that have moved over here in recent years, and they're mm-hmm. thriving, you know, that like they're thriving, yeah. but then they are sort of like, rah, I didn't know when we, obviously I understand our brand of racism, but when I came and saw you man's brand of racism, I said, wow. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Exactly. For me, that's what it's always been. I'm like, well, why am, why am I going to go to the white motherland on purpose? And <laughs> then I became a chef and I was like, oh, I got to go to the white motherland. And yes. get, you know, because y'all got the good produce and meat and yeah. farms and, Farm to table is the regular mm-hmm, life, mm-hmm. but as far as the brand of racism, I never, never thought about it. Yeah, because I, I wasn't exposed to black people who are who who are British, and now, like you said, my home, our home girl actually mm-hmm. just moved over there. She's an executive, wow. and she, her job transferred her to London, yeah. and she's living in London now. See, yeah, and there's she so loves many and living her best life. I might add, exactly. She's like, oh, look at me going to the train, <laughs> the train with my trainers. <laughs> To the trolley in my trainers. <laughs> in my trainers. She's like, look at I'm me. going to the trolley in my trainers. <laughs> I'm like, you better go ahead, black woman, and get amazing. Yes. No, you have to come I love over. That for you. you have to come over. Hopefully, if you can come over that. for my next live show, because yeah. that'll be September. I would love that. that would be amazing. Uh, yeah, Collection, don't play games with I'm me. Serious. Now y'all are on my list now. I'm serious. No, I want it to be a. I want it to be a mad link up. Like you know, my live show have all the people that you know I truly, truly like admire and care for to come through, and and for you to take that energy as well from that audience and see like the, the, these black people here celebrating you and all of us being on that same wavelength. I think Absolutely. that that makes the world of a difference because it's through black American women moving to the UK, moving to London specifically that I feel like my community has grown. Of course, there've been black. British women who have supported me from early, but there was like this injection of like fire that came with that, like this mm-hmm. idea of like sisterhood being a praxis, not just theory. Yes. Like it, yes. it's yeah, really, absolutely. really important. And, you know, they were showing me that like not being apologetic in like, I, I'm bringing this black woman in specifically because, you know, I fuck with her. Whereas over here, it's been so timid and coy and very, Interesting. But again, like, I'm not saying that that is across the board for everybody, but I feel like that's what Mm -hmm. I have experienced. And so I love being able to connect in this way. And I say, like, if it wasn't for um, um, Black Americans promoting and sharing my videos through during lockdown, I don't think that my platform would have grown even in the way that it did because it was very much a case of like, they see me, like you lot see me in a way that I think our conversation around race is probably 20 years behind over here because of how powerful 
racism is here. Like you're not even gonna, you're not even getting to address it across Europe. France won't even give you a tick box to tick black because they're not mm. going to allow mm. you to, to even notice where the differences are. The police over here, they want to scrap um, being able to kind of like break down who gets stopped and searched. Um, you know, when, you know, they mm-hmm. do all of that, they want to stop how um, you being able to know the race, even though we already know that black people get stopped mm-hmm. or black men and boys get stopped seven times more than anybody mm-hmm. else. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, excessive force is like seven times or whatever more, eight times more. They don't want you to be able to see that in stats now. They want to get rid of that. So then you don't have right. anything to use. And, and that's where we're at. We're at the point where they're trying to take away even identifiable data. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? That was just, that was by chance that it was just you, Soz, about that. that that's crazy. Listen. I think one of, the, oh. one of the craziest things that continues to confound me mm. is... Um, how gaslighting is like a central mechanism of white supremacy. Mm. Mm-hmm. The fact that, uh, and thinking about it as a global enterprise. So like for a long time, you know, I've been thinking about these things as it relates to U.S. context, because in my work, we deal with sort of eradicating barriers to equitable success for students mm-hmm. in our U.S. post-secondary spaces. But there really has been so much that I have learned and really just doing a deep dive and understanding sort of how these larger operating systems of patriarchy and imperialism have for centuries sort of dwindled down mm-hmm. in structured systems, policies and practice. Mm-hmm. And it has literally been designed to keep us as black people in this place of of ignorance mm-hmm. and fear mm-hmm. and complicity. Mm-hmm. And so what has been like the major tool that I think we have unlocked is sort of stepping into these podcasting platforms, amplifying our voices and our stories is that we are being able to give so many more people information mm. yeah. so that they can recognize the ways they've been pulling the wool over all of our eyes. And so, mm-hmm. so understand, you know, to, to borrow Jay's term, to understand how imperialism and white supremacy have functioned in the white motherland gives me a different lens and context for understanding whiteness in, in America. Yes. Mm-hmm. In, yes. Such, in such a crazy sort of illuminating way. Mm. And it's been, it has really been sort of like a whole new world to borrow, uh, you know, a line <laughs> from, from Aladdin. Yeah. So um I I love these conversations because they give us opportunity to call out and um, dismantle these tropes. Mm. Think about it. We didn't know anything about Black Brits or the rich culture of Blackness in the mm. UK because it was never taught to us. We were, we were taught very specific things about what goes on over there. Mm-hmm. And just like over here, we have been erased. Yes. from all conversations. Yeah. And so I think it's super powerful that we are able to sort of reclaim our voices and reclaim our time, Mother Maxine. Yes, yes. Spaces. <laughs> and really just sort of like, you know, and it's so simple. It don't cost no money to mm-hmm. arm somebody with a little bit more information. Because mm-hmm. when you have more information, you make different choices. And that's yeah. just that's just how we grow and get better. So thank you. And I don't know if you know what you've done, 
But hmm. Jade and I have totally received an invitation. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm serious. Once I get the venue booked, I'm gonna be emailing again because um last live show was was a banger. Like that was uh September, when was it? September 25th or something, uh, at Saddle as well. So big venue, and it was incredible to see all, all predominantly black people there in that space, yeah. everyone there, and you know, sharing in my energy. And I just thought it can be bigger than this though, where we it's like a link up and we're getting different voices in Absolutely. and coming through. So I would love for you both to come through. So I'm going to, we're going to sort it out. I've, and look, the listeners are hearing it first and they'll be ready. <laughs> well, I, well, I don't know about that, but I'll be there. I, I said, I will. I just said, I have to go. If I'm going to go, I got to be respectful of the land. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to eat beans on toast, nigga, we eat beans on toast. <laughs> I'm gonna do my level best. No, well, you, I've got, I've got to take you for a full English. That's a full English breakfast. Got to do all of that. Got to hit Please. up a Nigerian restaurant. We'll do all of the things. We've got. We'll do all of the things. We have to go to the. We have to go to the Nigeria. I want some jello. I want some proper jello. Yes, yes. I want sauce. Yes. I want some goat. Like I want. I want some proper Nigerian. I want some fufu. I want some okra soup. Yes. Like, so you're yes. set. You're prepared. That's what we're doing. Like just we're yes. in places. All right. I, I just want to go to Peloton because my favorite, one of my favorite instructors <laughs> on Peloton is Anna Frankson. She is totally a black Brit babe. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I have learned so much from her because in classes, like I know, I think October is Black History Month yes. in the UK. Yeah. And she was playing all of the black Brit music, and I was getting my life <laughs> on the back, honey. I'm like, just in the class, just getting all of Let my life. Yes. It's a terrible reference because we it's you know, there's tri- it's a triggering theme for the show. But when I was watching I May Destroy You, yes, I was like, Oh mm. mama, I gotta go overseas. Yes. I have to it like it just looks like a good time and I'm ready for us to link up diasporically. Yes. I think it's so awesome and I, I love this space that we've been able to create. And even though you got demons like Elon Musk trying Mm. to take down space. And I know people like, oh, it's a billionaire. He's an idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. But I'm looking at the larger theme Mm -hmm, here mm -hmm. and I'm like, they're trying to stop us from being able to communicate. Exactly. And it may sound very Dr. Umar. It may sound very Hotepi. (laughs) But I do feel on a larger scale because it's been a space where we have been able to. I would have never known who you were without the Internet. I came across clips of you shitting the fuck on people who deserve it and, and when i was tell like, you my soul opened up when you had, me in when ways you, when you got pierce morgan out the way i was over here like hands up raised. Hands up, who is this black woman who is this who is this i was like because listen all of the fear that i had about going overseas all this time i thought nobody was going to understand me i wasn't going to be able to understand nobody i'm get lost I was like, I understood everything she fucking said, and I know he did too. So let's get I in. <laughs> no, this I is why we've got to do love it. That we have this space. Yeah, and and our With energies that. are in such synergy, and I feel like it's almost by the time. Well, this will come out on Monday, but it's it's our anniversary essentially because when you were on your live making Thanksgiving dinner, the two of you, and we were talking. Yeah. yeah. And so here we are. And like you said, the internet allowed us to do that. But at the same time, this is why I'm like, no, you you both have to come over and we're going to go to Peloton. We're going to do all of those things as well. The reason that you have to come over is because we have to start investing more in our offline spaces because clearly Absolutely. they're trying to usurp all of the spaces that we have online and take it away from us. And I know that we talk about all this stuff like, oh, let's just build our own thing, build our... Yeah. 
yeah, okay, fine. But we still, at the end of the day, need to be able to touch each other at some point. Like, you know, right. like that there is a reason why they're like our babies and skin to skin contacts and things like that, because we could do as much as we want to do online. And um, that does help us create foundations. But if we're not building offline, if we're not building that sense of community, like look at Malcolm X and all of them, man, like they, they were linking up, they were taking flights, they were meeting up and they were doing that. And I think that that's what Absolutely. made the movement stronger. And they didn't have internet. They were running what telegraphs mm-hmm. in them. So absolutely, yeah, they were right. They were literally sending mail and posts to each other. Yeah, saying, "Okay, well, we're going to meet up in Mobile, Alabama, or wherever the fuck." Yeah, and that's what. And I agree with you. And I think that's what's lost a lot within our society as well, because while it is beautiful that we have this space, it's also created um, a little bit of distance on a human level. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think as you're talking about linking up and, and and touching each other, what does that look like in practice? Mm-hmm. Like us or us building these communities, what does building these communities look like in practice? Yeah. You know, are we just saying it or are we actually going to do things right. to try to unify with one another? Yeah. For sure. And yeah, we've, we've got to, because I was thinking about Elon and everything that's happening. It's like, yeah, every so often, I mean, all of the other, you know, like the sites that we all use when we were growing up and stuff, Black Planet, this, that, MySpace, all of that, they kind of mm-hmm. died out on their own. This one mm-hmm. is because it was so instrumental to so many movements. It's almost yeah. like it's been intentionally like mm-hmm. blown up. And, mm-hmm. and that's scary to me that like we find a, a space, black people make that space what it is. And then it's like, mm-hmm. ah, we'll have that back now. Like that's why I'm vexed with Jack. Everyone's vexed at Elon. No, Jack, my problem is <laughs> with you because why? You know, like why? I- why must greed really enter you lot's eye to this extent? Like to the point where you were willing to sue, yes, if he did not purchase this, knowing that he was not a person with a sane mind, yes, knowing that, and you knew this was going to go to shit, you know what an important, important tool Twitter has been to real time news, to people connecting, to all types of things for the world, literally being able to get what's going on in other places. I've never been so privy to what's happening in Palestine. I've never been yeah. so privy to what's happening in uh, in Iran right now. Yeah. I've never been so privy to what's happening in the UK on a real level, like mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. talked about. And I hate the fact that they try to take power in that way. And I think that it's beautiful that we're able to make these connections via that. So if that's taken away, then we have another real life method for us to be able to to, to get together. Yeah, I think so. For I'm, sure. I'm going to get my letter writing skills up because I'm just like, boy, we've got to find a way to be contacting each other because don't know what's going to happen to Meta. You really just don't know. And I remember doing a tarot reading um, a few months back for the listeners. Mm-hmm. And I said, by 2025, America is going to look very, very, very different. And I don't know what that means because even astro- um, astrologically, America is currently going through its Pluto return. And when Pluto comes back round and to know that it takes centuries for it to do this, right? Mm-hmm. It hasn't done this essentially since the creation of um, all of this stuff um, mm-hmm. or this identity of America as we know it. And if we also, we know that the constitution was signed at different points. So it wasn't, everyone wasn't signing at the same point. So mm-hmm. uh, in terms of identity, this Pluto mm-hmm. return happening, we're now looking at it and going, wow, America's going to have to face as an entity, it's going to have to face how it came to have power, how much blood was lost in order to gain that power. So when we're seeing Trump coming back around and people are like, oh no, he's not going to get back in again. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because you, because we thought he wasn't getting in the first time oh. and look what's happened. We Child. are 
quickly turning into the handmaid's tale, mm-hmm. like quickly going in that direction. And so I'm fearful. <laughs> I'm like, I've been saying, I'm like, oh, it's another civil war is coming, baby. I know it is. Mm. I can feel it in the air. And maybe that's what it is. But I know that there's there's definitely a shift happening and I don't know which direction that's going. It doesn't necessarily feel like it's a positive one. No, but I think it will wake people up because I think that we've seen how people can transform TikTok, uh, Twitter. Black people are exceptional, like exceptional. Like <laughs> when, and you know, we talk about magical, but not even in a magical sense that we're not human, but magical in the sense like, raw. you really just give everybody the minimum and they come up with the most amazing things as, as terrible as it is sometimes when something mad happens, the jokes that start flying, incredible. It's like, guys, the world, the world is ending. Why are we laughing? But it works. <laughs> like, it the literally works. Ending. <laughs> the, the memes, the gifts, ミーンでゲストで毎日ジャックで<笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><笑><
basically the that particular segment was about oh should black should black history be taught in schools what, what you first okay. of all okay. no such thing okay. as black history is history right like let's be clear and how did black history come to be how did the black history that you all know come to be uh, that came from white folks coming over being greedy and wanting what the fuck we had yeah and then taking us and lumping us in boats and then dropping us off in different places. Right. So what, what, how, where y'all want to start this conversation? But and, and you see, because we are one, because that's the point that I was coming in with. Homegirl was coming in with, I d- why are we referring to people as black? We should just be talking about... <laughs> I wish you all could see the way well, that Kia's What you want to call? What, what, what we else should, we should to call it Congolese history. African history, blah, 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 history. I'm like, okay, but do you see? But what links everybody? Come on, quickly, quickly. What links everybody? Is it not because we were racialized into blackness? Like this construct was created so that these things could happen. That's why we just refer to it as black history mm-hmm. per se. But we're always only ever talking about history. It's not our history. It's the history of white people. That's not our history. Right. Right. I mean, because these, we are here. The, these are the choices that they've made. Right. This is the, this is the cookie box that they've built. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what what continues to fascinate me is um, how many of us don't realize how steeped we are in Ooh. anti-Blackness, Ooh. right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this a little bit on Illuminated Intersectionality, Jay. We were talking about how um, white supremacy being the sneaky, clandestine opera- operation mm-hmm. that it is, yes. it literally functions and perpetuates itself off of uh, planting these little seeds mm-hmm. around uh, distancing from blackness, mm-hmm. you know, yep. it's about blackness is what the world has been socialized to hate. And even though I am black, I'm going to do everything within my power to not associate myself with blackness right. yes. as an entity. Yes, we're not. And what it does looking like that. Our hair exactly. Yeah. It's, it literally is crabs in a barrel. Mm-hmm. White mm-hmm. white folks don't have to work that hard. To destroy us because they've taught us how to destroy each other. Yes, exactly. And it's exactly. like, it's like we. That's why it's so important for us to be a part of these conversations. And that's why it, it is this. Why do you think the first thing that white folks do is to, in these instances is to limit access to information? Yes. We got to get these books out of schools. We got to get these people off the air. We got to get these people yeah. shut down and silent yep. because legitimately as cliche as it has become the truth has always been that knowledge is power yes absolutely always been that and so what do we do what do we do um when we like, i feel like it has been our mission to make sure that we get the information out and we if we gotta wrap it in a joke if we if yes. we got to, uh-huh. to sort of hide it in some hood rat shit with my friends i'm happy to do that <laughs> yeah. i'm happy to yeah. do that because the bottom line is we have like we all have a responsibility to sort of dismantle this thing as yeah. we encounter it. And it's about calling out your friend and asking her, like, so what do you think? Like, like you said, like this, we've all been racialized to yes. be black. Yeah. And di- let, let's talk through your resistance. Like, mm-hmm. what is that steeped in? What is that? What is yeah. that rooted like, in? What, why don't you want to be called black? Why don't what is it, against, is it, what is it that you hate about blackness? Black yeah. Why do you want to dissociate yourself from it? And, like, help and, me understand that. And you're not even making money like that. I know over in America, like them contrarian for coins, like they, they, they get, they make bank, you know? And so mm-hmm. I can understand what the allure is when you're doing it there. 
They're not paying like that over here in the UK. You're barely, you're lucky if you get 120, 125 pounds. But you, for, for you to, to do the bidding of white supremacy, are you all right? And to be there like, but oh, in, well. In general, I don't care how much the price is. What? Okay, we'll, we'll take uh, Herschel Walker's son, for instance. Oh, Herschel oh Walker. <laughs> but Herschel Walker's little son, who runs around with his ridiculous rhetoric, and he's a young gay boy, mm. a young gay black boy. Is he now? Runs. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Well, mm. his father is, is half, at least. <laughs> and mm. he's a young gay black boy who speaks against abortion and speaks against uh, gay rights and speaks against blackness and tells black people that we don't have fathers and all Ah! kinds of things. Mm. But you, you got this black guy who's also your father is a problem. He's running as a Republican. What uh, governor, what is he running for? Kia governor? No, Senate. Oh, wow. Yeah. Herschel Walker. And he's a problem. It's a black man. He's also brain dead. Like, have you ever, like he has actually something He's got CTE. Wow. He got CTE. Yeah, he got the the holes because he. What is very wrong? Yeah, because it's absolutely. like scary though, and it's so disheartening. So I'm there on this TV show, and I'm like, I just want to clot you in your throat, like I just want to punch you right in your throat because you're frustrated. <laughs> you're frustrated. Like, I just want to punch you in your throat. I do. I feel that they because at what, at what point do we need to? <laughs> at what point do we need to stop talking? Because we can't be doing this on national television where you're going. Well, I just want to talk about. We should just talk about separate histories and only talk about the good. Why don't you want to talk about Mansa Musa? But you only want to talk about Mansa Musa from a capitalist perspective because white supremacy needs capitalism in order to thrive. That is why you want to talk about the Richards. You don't want to talk about the the atrocities that he committed to women. You only want to talk about he was the richest man ever, ever. That's what you want to talk Mm -hmm. about. And that's a problem (laughs) to me. And why? Let's also say, why can't you talk about him? Because they burned all of our books. That's why you're saying that now you don't know. So we still come back to my point that we still need mm-hmm. to retrace our steps and teach all of these things. So I'm not arguing with you over nonsense. Like we still need, to me, it's just history. Because if we taught mm-hmm. British history correctly, it would inqu- it would require us to teach what they did in um, Asia, what they did here, what mm-hmm. they did here, what they did in on the continent of Africa. We would have to cover totally. everything. And then... We have history. We don't then have to demarcate it and be like, oh, this is black history and this is what. But until we get there, let's at least mm-hmm. address that there is a history about black people that is not being taught. Whereas um, the things that happened are impacting what we're now seeing in this day right. and age. So the average black person, if you ask them over here who aren't, you know, up, up like that, they will say, oh, yeah, but I know about Martin Luther King and I know about this. But it's like, OK, but do you know about Althea Jones? Do you know about Oliver mm-hmm. Morris? Do, do, do you know about the people on on this soil that have passed through here? No, you don't. No, and that's a problem that, when you're from here. It's different if you're mm-hmm. not from here. It's a problem when you're from here and you don't know that because they've made a point of only teaching you about racial trauma and struggle being something that happens elsewhere and you are exempt from that. And anything that you're going through over here mm-hmm. is just because you're lazy. Mm. 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 See, this is why you be on TV on the debate shows because you know how to spit it off. <laughs> <laughs> you are lazy. <laughs> you are lazy. You are lazy. And you've got you to is lazy. Things. You is but ugly. It's true though, because we have to take responsibility at a certain point, right? Yeah. We can. We 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 need to blame the entity for who which caused this. Yeah. But at a certain point, when we realize that that's what's going on, that's when we need to do our own research so that we can make sure that the proper narrative 
is being told. Because even over here, they're trying to take slavery out of the school books. They don't want to teach slavery. They don't want to teach that that was a, that it was a 400 period in America. Wow. That, by the way, Tennessee in the election that happened last week, Tennessee just made slavery illegal huh? in 2022. But then yes. that's like the um, the um, Emmett Till, was it the Emmett Till bill that made mm-hmm. lynching? But you're doing that in 2022. 2022. Tennessee had a big bent. There was a big shit up on CNN, and it was like slavery. Now, now <laughs> illegal. Now illegal. Now illegal. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. So that's how it's crazy everywhere. And they want it to be designed that way, which is why we have to be extra diligent <laughs> yeah. in making sure that we not only gather our own information, but that we're sharing it with our children, that we're sharing it with our community because they're going to try to diminish our stories until they're no longer told anymore. True. But and then we have to remember it. And I think that that's what people struggle with. I don't want to remember a story that makes me feel lesser than I think mm-hmm. that that's ultimately what it is. The fact that, oh, at one point we were, tr- at one point, as they say, we were treated this way and whatever. I don't want to, you know, uh, align myself to that because I'm so much better than that. And I think that's what it is. Shame. Shame yeah. plays a role in mm-hmm. how um, unwilling or reluctant some people are in to address that this was actually just a part of our history. And what now? Like colonialism, as much as I look at black people, I look at Nigerians and I'm like, yeah, 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 we're badder than bad. There is an aspect where, where it's like, but, Guys, why Absolutely. did you just, you just, you could have just fucked them up. You could have just fucked them up. What, what is this? High school students wearing for graduation. Yeah. They're still wearing those fucking George Washington wigs. Yeah. And those button up, that stushy ass button up shit. Yeah. And it's, right. it's literally like, why did you have all of these young Nigerian boys? Yes. In this, in this colonial ass wig, this looks silly. Yeah, but they still wear it over here even. Don't they wear it over... No, mm. they wouldn't wear it. Do they, they don't wear it in America, right? No, over mm. here in, in the courts, they still wear it over here in the courts because it's English it's, law. With the yeah, with the curls, with the white shit. They still wear that over here in the courts because it's, and it's English law due to colonialism that's, that they have in Nigeria. It's one of the things that they teach. That That's the basis of their legal system, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure a Nigerian barrister would be like, Kilechi. But, you know, that is from what I understand it to be. And so they still wear all of that pomp and regalia. And it's so like, is that a wig or is that a hat? Like, what it's is a that? wig. And, it's a and, wig. and you spend a lot of money for it as well. And you keep it in a little box, you know, keep it Ooh. in a little box and carry it with your robe and stuff. Well, we're emulating, we're emulating white men yes. debating yeah. about morality because that's what you're going to court to do to debate morality and legality. No and oh, and isn't, no that, isn't that like what narcissists, like, you know, isn't that what narcissism manipulators do? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they employ tools like shame mm-hmm. and, and um, to, to make you do this to yourself almost right mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. it's about it's, it's literally we have to think about it that way and what and and in, in to your point because you're thinking about the ways that we are complicit taking responsibility mm-hmm. Absolutely. you know with, when you don't when you know better you do better so mm-hmm. what is it that you have learned that's going to change your behavior yeah absolutely even this conversation what are the things that you're going to do and then people think that you know oh what can I do. I'm not positioned. It's literally is if, if enough of us make a choice that we gonna call bullshit. Yeah, like that's it. 
Like, I, I, we don't have to do anything, but can we just agree that this is dumb? Yes. Yeah. But, but then we, see, a lot of times we can. We can't. And that's the issue. So while I stayed far, far away from that Kanye conversation, I was just like, I'm just going to wow. face my front. I'm, I've mm-hmm. never faced my front so hard in my life. My head was not turning left nor right. I just looked straight ahead. One thing I did. One thing I did know is that while you're all shouting over here, um, saying this and that, the fact of the matter is, we do not regulate in the same way. We do not get together, mobilize, and regulate people in the same way. We do not pattern people when they fuck with us in the same way. And of course, I know that the I historical agree. context is as to why maybe we don't, and what the psychological impact that that, that has. However, if we all got together because we are the global majority, if we all got together and then somebody moved mad and we're like, yeah, lock it off. Everything they got, turn their lights the fuck off. That is it. But we don't because the moment it's like, guys, we need to deal with this. It was incorrect. It was anti-black. Oh, well, why are you going on about it? Because at the end of the day, didn't they do this and didn't they do that? And why are we focused on the past? We do so much infighting as you say in terms of like the crabs in a barrel thing where we can't look at what's happening and the hits that we're taking and say we don't want to take any more hits that means that people can come from left right they can come from anywhere and we can't defend it we can't because we're not even we're not moving as one no right right exactly we were so divided even in that conversation because we too tried to steer very clear of it yeah uh a, I don't need no implications. Same. I don't need nobody Same. coming with no, I don't need none of that. And B, I think Kanye is a clown. I think and he idiot, is a great a idiot. Bozo. And when you're unlikable, you make it even harder to see where you're coming from. And I don't see where you're coming from because you're moving mad. And the thing is, you only want to involve us in things when you don't get the um, access. You because use the you key. Agree you use the key. Yeah. us as a people before you, before you, they claimed you were disrespecting them as a people. Right. Like when you did it, that to us first and we could yes. have got you out of here collectively, but there's a, a batch of idiots who decides that they want to continue to defend that foolish behavior yeah. and rhetoric that he continues to spit. Yep. And then here we are. But I do agree with you that the larger conversation is that if we, like Kia said, and like you both said in both ways, if we would all gather together and call bullshit, the way that that unifying would be so powerful. Yeah. But we don't we, we don't do that. That's the only that's one of the only things that I took away from that conversation. I'm like, everything else, I'm not involved. I don't know. Like I'm pleading the fifth. I'm not involved, right? All I know okay. is that Kanye's an idiot that keeps chasing so diligently the the flotsam from the kind of waves of white supremacy, like the bits, the dregs that fallen away of white supremacy is what he's so desperately trying to gather at the shore. And then the moment that they're like, Oh, you can't have that bit, that bit's a bit too valuable for you, then he starts calling over to the rest of us like they won't let me have this seashell they won't let okay. me have this seashell of white supremacy what's what, so what you because you you didn't care about us before in fact you yeah, told no, the rest of us yeah us. you said that and so this is what everything was a choice it's so wild to me because with the lesson the takeaway that i get from all of this is like you know kanye and other, other folks he's not alone no. but mm-hmm. to me it's like you know y'all thought y'all y'all believe white folks long enough to think that your money and your success was going to shield you from your blackness. You thought it was going to make you a player in this game and white people will always find a way to remind you that you are not one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, and and my question for the Kanye's of the world, 
right? It's like you can't have your cake and eat it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, that's why I say if we all decide to call bullshit, it's like, you know, what we have got to do and think about the ways that we do have power. And I think this is it's no accident to me that we are all in the, you know, Twitter is falling down. Mm -hmm. Right. But think think Mm -hmm. about think about the glory days Mm -hmm. and how much voice and power and platform black people have Mm -hmm. just with 140 characters or less. There was a time. When people were looking to Black Twitter for the pulse on what is popping yep. mm-hmm. to figure out how to do, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much power in our collective voice. Mm. Hello, K-pop. Look at K-pop. Look at K-pop. K-pop. The first time I heard a K-pop song when Noah was listening to it, sorry to cut you off, kids. No, everybody wants to be black, but don't I- I was, I was like, you right. Might. I was like, everybody won't be a nigga, but don't nobody won't be a nigga. Because yes, I'm sitting up here, I hear this music. I say, no, who is that you listening to? A black, pink, pink, black, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and I was like, who is that? I go and look it up. It's a bunch of pasty Korean girls. Yeah, I, I, was watching, I was watching the Love is Bar reunion on the plane yesterday. And I couldn't even stomach it, right? Because we sitting on this stage with all of these white women and every third word is period. It's oh, giving. Oh, it's no, giving. no. Oh. It's, and I'm just like, you know what? You know what? I hate it here. Yes. I hate it here. I d- despise it. <laughs> I cannot take this. Uh-uh. I'm sick of it. Uh-uh. The co-opting is crazy. Yeah. Everybody wants to be us. But okay? they don't want to be us. But they don't want to be us. And it is just the most maddening thing. We have set the pulse and the tone on what's popping in culture in this country for centuries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People are emulating us in word, thought, deed, look, all Mm -hmm, of it. mm -hmm. While at the same time, who we are is still not acknowledged as humane and valuable and worthy. Yeah, yeah. We have always been a commodity. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're we're literally soil. And that's what I find it interesting. We're soil, but at least soil, you pour back into it. You make sure that you're you're fertilizing it in order that it might continue. We're the weirdest kind of soil because you're not doing that. In fact, you're coming to do everything. You're pouring acid. Literally, you were pouring acid in pools when people were trying to swim. Yeah, yeah. you're you're like, no, I don't. You're not meant to be here. Get away, get away. But you're still coming back to take what this soil grows. For you're still coming back for it, and so there's something in that that I just find so sad and like, like, still so, uh, kind of, uh, hopeful at the same time because it's like we still persevere, we still continue. Because you give us 140 characters, you give us 180 characters, we're still going to bang, like, we're still going to do something that everybody else is looking at. But at what point do we get to benefit? from that and that's why I find conversations like that interesting because you know like here you mentioned about like um you know playing the game and they think that they can have enough money that at at one point allows them to play the game but my thing is like why do you want to play why do you want to play the game why do you want to play because surely you see that this shit is rigged and if you if you get to play the rest of the people who are like you they're not going to get to and um, they're not going to get to play and the, the object of the game is that you annihilate them. So why do you want to play? Why? Because that's to me, and, and once I look at it like that, I'm like, yeah, I can't back it. I can't back it. Like you, for even regardless of what you're saying being wild, I still can't back you regardless 
Whatever yeah. the case may be Before that mm-hmm. Way before that You've just got to be left to it Because you want them to accept you And you also know that What's contingent upon that acceptance Is our destruction And you are fine with that That, that is collateral damage That makes sense to you And so for that mm. reason You can keep going Because when people are cosplaying With blackness and all of those things there they can still run back to whatever identity that they have that they know is more powerful than this one. And we see it with Kim Kardashian. You've gone to remove this. You've gotten to remove that. You're, everyone's returning to their white girl era because you've, you've managed yeah. to extrapolate and, and to exploit as much as you can from what yeah. you deem to be this cultural phenomena. And now you're off. Yeah. You got your children. And that's you the same thing. Millions, yeah. all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, given, I mean, like the K-pop, the, the, all of the, that's the, when I, when I wrote the Aquafina piece for Insider, it was all about like, you know, you put on this, this character, mm-hmm. right? You play this and you get money and riches and fame and attention for something that black women who actually live these lives have been vilified for. Yes, exactly. You benefit Exactly You benefit While we are told That we're unprofessional And we are You know All of all of those things And it is It is So wild to me Yeah That that Mm -hmm. folks don't recognize That that is You know One of the functional elements Of of white supremacy Like uh, Mm -hmm. Like taking our character Like Literally blackface Yes um, In so many ways it's something that you put on. Mm-hmm. My friend was saying, I remember I told you, I think I told you this before. My friend was saying, like, she was taking his class um, online. Oh, yes. Trying to get her, her certification for some project management course. And, like, one of the assignments was that they had to, to do a rap. Like, they had to make a, a, a rap. I guess it's like it was a, a presentation style. They had to, you know, I guess some of the course components, as opposed to just doing a regular PowerPoint presentation, they had to make it a rap. And so they literally like put on these backwards hats and started. <sighs> and I'm just like, son, this is problematic. Like, like yes, she was like, she showed it to me. It was just like, I was, I was really uncomfortable. And I was like, you should have been this. You are not wrong. This is crazy. It is. But it's a cultural thing. Girls, it's a cultural thing because I remember over here in primary school, if I remember correctly, when we were learning about some types of black history, we were asked to make slavery posters. <laughs> and you know, when something is so bad that you didn't even realize that you repressed it. And then you're just like, wait, when we were learning about well, Egyptians, we learned how what to make... What a slavery poster entails. So we have, like you're selling a slave. Oh, yeah. That's worse than what I thought. <laughs> you all had to make auction block posters. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been like year four. That's no different than 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 some of the kids. <laughs> the the house, they take them God. on field trips to cotton fields. Yes. They take them to former slave houses and plantations and to cotton fields. They think that that's all right. That they think that that's mm-hmm. all. And I was just remembering the other day, like, rah, we did that. Like, we we did. And it only re- I only remembered because I remember reading an article over here talking about, um, you know, that a school did it and how atrocious it is that they did that, like creating those posters or whatever. And I thought, but why isn't this shocking me? Why isn't this shocking me? And I was like, ah, oh, that's it. Because we did it in primary school. Like we made our own posters. Oh, wow. That's wild. wow. Yeah. The fact that that's even okay. And then on another level, the fact that even some of the parents didn't protest. 
Because they didn't know. Because they didn't think they didn't think anything was wrong with it. Yeah. And, and because they probably how, made they probably had to make slavery posters in primary school as well. That's true. It. True. Which shows you how it like you've been talking about it's thread and weaved. It's yeah. baked in. Society. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like people think about this as sort of like, oh, it's a virus. I got mm-hmm. sick, but racism is this bacterial virus and yeah, if we no. all just take this medicine we'll be all better no baby that's not how this works no right no no this we is in your about, bones we talk about it's baked in like it is a cancer mm-hmm. that has metastasized throughout yeah you know? yeah mm-hmm. and so when we think about dismantling it we have to think about it in that way it's not like a one and done sort of one-off oh i just take this shot and i'm immune and yeah. we're over it and we're past mm-hmm. it and we're moving forward and it's like that's not how any of this works no <laughs> no but it's funny that you see it, like it's in the bone because that's what brits love to say what mm. you think i'm racist no, I haven't got a racist bone in my body. My bo- no, baby, no, all your bones are racist. Your whole body's racist. You don't have a racist bone in your body, but all your bones are racist. All your bones are racist. Your skeleton. Not just one. Sorry, Catherine, but that's just what it is. Please. To the marrow. To the marrow. You Legitimate are racist. To the marrow. Bone It is throughout. One of the most it's one it's the one that's gonna take you out one of the fastest yeah. because it's in there, it's baked in and it spreads. And that's exactly how racism is. And then to the point where it's so bad they don't even think they are. Yes. And that's so that and so that's where I feel like I'm in this weird fever dream in the UK because it's just like you're talking to people who really just do not believe that there is a problem. Like you, mm-hmm. they, you just look so wild suggesting that there could be a problem because they're like, but we now have a, an Asian, a South Asian prime minister. What do you mean? Why would he mm-hmm. be there if this was the case? And you're just like, oh, because you don't understand the intricacies of white supremacy. So that's why you think that this is an anomaly or that it's progress in any way whatsoever. Just because of his Asian background, it doesn't change his commitment to white supremacist ideology and because he's richer than the queen he's richer than the king like his Mm -hmm. wife has more money than the the monarch of this country who are you who born your father well that he would not now be the prime minister what do you mean Mm -hmm. money talks that's why he's there you wouldn't have an average bus driver type asian man you know who gives you this um spiel of because that's what we have this the london mayor oh my dad was a bus driver and i worked my way up and this is why i'm here where you wouldn't have that as a prime minister the only person you could have in that capacity is somebody whose money Mm -hmm. when the when the king looks at that person's money they start shitting themselves that's the only person that would be able to make it into that position so that is more class than anything but over here they'll Mm -hmm. tell you like class supersedes race and it's like Mm -hmm. no because they work in congruence so stop trying to make it like they're like these all separate things it's kind of fluid it kind of chooses where it's going to be um yeah it's just it's just weird but i still think you should come over (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, it's no different than here, honestly. I know no I know you all, you know, everybody gets the news and they see the the the, the full-blown idiot ass rednecks in Florida who are saying some wild egregious shit. But the thing about America is I remember I was in uh I had a catering at a client's house and I was in the elevator mm. and it was, I was in with a white man and I wanna say it was not too long after Trump got elected. Mm. And he was like, oh, well, he's like, it's not going to be that bad. Like, I don't even think he's going to be in that long. And I was like, yeah, all right. He goes, well, at least we live in New York. Like, New York is not, New York is not even, we don't even have to deal with the racism. And I looked him dead in his face and I said, New York, 
has one of the highest percentages of segregated schools in all of the country. So it's not always somebody flying around with a Confederate flag and a rifle and a red hat that's getting ready to shoot you in your back and call you a nigger monkey. Mm -hmm. It could also be somebody who just literally does not want their children to go to school with your children. And that is literally what's threaded throughout here in our state. Mm -hmm, You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So the racism is not always overt in the same way that it may not be overt there, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't. doesn't make it any less racism. No, like we've got schools over here. One of my friends that, you know, the schools over here, your child, there's only four black people in the entire school, like four in the entire school (laughs) of 950 children. In London, in London, we're not talking about, we're not, we haven't gone out to the shires. We haven't gone out to the countryside. We're talking about London. You've got 900 and then this is all you have. Mm. 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 So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Pretend, But it's everywhere. We know what it is. And I think it's our job as people who are not blind to the bullshit to continue having these conversations to continue so that they can continue to spread. And eventually it's going to permeate with somebody. It's going to resonate. It has to. It's got to. It has to. And I think like you say, it's about us wrapping it in the jokes, wrapping it in the this, wrapping it in the pancetta. Hell, like just wrap it in some, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and get it out there, you know. And Word. so I'm working on my short story collection and all of it is about my observations about race, but it's not immediately apparent because I'll just be talking about some sci-fi shit but mm-hmm. it's still race that is at the crux mm-hmm. of it all but i guess we're all just doing what we're doing but um i'm glad that you were both able to join me today to talk we're so about happy you had us we're so grateful we come over we're still holding you to it <laughs> no it's happening <laughs> i'm a woman of my word it's happening so i'm i need to sort out the venue um once i sort out the venue for the live show then i'm gonna holler and we're gonna figure out how we do all of the logistics and stuff Cause that'll hey. be sick. That'll be sick. Like just absolutely sick. It'll be incredible. I'm. So, I gotta make sure we gotta make sure we pull our fits together, kid. Cause Kalechi be stepping out. <laughs> I understand. I okay. have received the assignment. I understand it. Yes, I have. I, I know. She was dressed last time in a nasty heel. She set that leg out. She set them titties out. I said, "Oh, okay, that's what we're doing." All right. Excuse I me. Understand. These morning walks that I usually see you on. I was like that. There's two sides. There's two sides. Got to come with the things, but I know, I know that we'll all be, we'll all be serving. So I'm looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be amazing. But I know that we're going to catch up before then anyway, whether it's an Insta live or whatever, something, something. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We love you so much. We're so grateful for you having us on. Thank you. Love you both too. Thank you. Yay. Vibes. Beans on toast and vibes (laughs) I feel like that should be the title of this week's episode Beans on toast and vibes Um, Just amazing Um, Amazing, amazing, amazing women Um, Yeah, I had like the best time just chatting with them And yeah, I'm I'm sticking to my word personally I want them to come to the live show in um, September I haven't even booked a venue But yeah, you know Like I said It's just vibes I'll figure it out I can't come and kill myself You know um, But yeah Anyway let me big up The second of this week's Show sponsors Who are Dipsy So some of you don't want to Be involved in You know um, Just the sheggery That is Dealing with other humans At this time When it's so cold and stuff it's cold and you're like yeah i want to keep my body warm i want to feel warm internally how do i do this well that's when dipsy comes in because 
Research shows that sex is as mental as it is physical. So you need more than just an amazing vibrator. If you dogged that one sexy chapter in a romance novel, or you know, you have that particular scene in a movie you always fantasize about, Dipsy can help you get to where you need to be, but in a new way. With Dipsy, you can skip straight to the good parts. You know, and, and and that's what I love so much about it. Basically, Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And this is so important because sometimes the man them don't know what you want. They they all just write some bullshit and you're like, who's gonna get turned on by that? Like who the fuck? You know, this is written by women for women. And so they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. You can find stories about pretty much anything um, radically inclusive. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners and 50, um, 56% of the stories um, are voice acted by people of colour. So you'll some you know we've got some celebrities on there as well who are reading some of the sexy stories or who are enacting some of the sexy stories and they've got new content that's released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories, because there's one that I like, but I don't want to share it with you all because I don't want to in my business like that. But there's um some great stories in there. So there's one that I like that I know that if I have this story, I am z- 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 I'm good, but you know, it's also good to like change it up. So I'll, I'll listen to some other ones once in a while as well. So yes, you can, there's variety is what I'm saying. Um, so you'll always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories that you can read. Um, so let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, and just heat things up with a partner if you've got them or otherwise for yourself heat yourself up internally no yoga things so for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash straws that's d-i-p-s-e-a stories.com slash straws um so you get 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsy.com slash straws and i implore you to go and get your on by listening to those stories baby anyway let's get to so you mad so so you mad. Um, I wanted, I saw so many um, different types of discussions taking place online and I thought, why not get Lorraine? And you know, like Lorraine is incredible. If you've ever heard Lorraine in a Twitter space, um, I think Clubhouse back in the day, I don't know if people still use Clubhouse, but you know, Lorraine is so freaking intelligent and so amazing. And um, if you listen to the live show episode, Lorraine was our Mary J. Blige that came on stage and said that we are all near along, you know? So it's an honor to have Lorraine join me in conversation as well as the baby girl Amina. Amina knows the things, does the things, and just is just a gorgeous, gorgeous baby girl. And these two incredibly intelligent women I thought would be great to chat about what's happening in terms of cis heteronormativity and the ways in which um it's violence is very pervasive in our society and people don't really want to um admit to it. So yeah. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy that conversation and I'll catch you in a bit. Amina and Lorraine, thank you. Thank you for joining me in this So You Mad section. I think that this is literally all all I'll be talking about this section. Like I'm not adding anything after our conversation finishes or anything like that. Um, But but I, I think that this is a really, really important conversation 
um, you're all you're both really conversant and you say some really interesting things on the timeline where I'm always like, yeah, that's food for thought. So I thought after seeing Michelle Obama talking about how, you know, you have to sometimes take 70% of the load on in a relationship and while your partner takes on 30 and it shifts and it shifts and it shifts and that's the nature of it. I just felt like, I mean, I'll put it to you. What did you think about that? Because you know, everyone knows me saying my mind all of the time, but you watch that clip. What did you think? Uh, do you want me to go first? Go, go ahead. Yeah, it's a combo. Okay. Okay. So first of all, for me, whenever that marriage discourse comes on the timeline, it makes my blood boil. It makes my <laughs> boil because you always realize that people are asleep. People are performing progressiveness when actually underneath all there's this centering of uh, heteronormativity and hit men and pygmyism that is just popping through the timeline. I thought of that clip was that Michelle Obama was just trying to portray sufferation as palatable mm-hmm. with that little monologue. Mm-hmm. And what is frustrating as well for me is in racism, we understand the, the coded language, the weaponized words. Yeah. You, this is like articulate a white person saying to a black person, you articulate is not a compliment. We get that. Mm-hmm. But with patriarchy, a lot of people have been sipping on this patriarchal crack and, <laughs> and they need to put the crack pipe down because, um, you know, I'll use the words that uh, Mrs. Obama used in her monologue. So mm-hmm. for instance, things like natural compromises when actually what was really meant is uh, socialized and normalized because there's nothing natural about those compromises that, that women make or femmes make in a patriarchal system. Yeah. Uh, even the word compromise in itself, nonsense, nonsense, yeah. weaponized against women and femmes because the word compromised, uh, the dictionary meaning means, you know, one side, each side making concessions and not what we see, which is one side giving up their position and the other person getting their way. And that's a hostile takeover to me. That's not compromise. Yeah, or and somebody that, has been compromised in that situation. Exactly. Somebody has been compromised. Sacrifice. Talk to me. And sacrifice is one of my trigger words. That word triggers me uh, because when patriarchy has determined the imbalances we already know that all sacrifices are not created equal from the get-go yeah. because it is it is one party that is making disproportionate sacrifices. So when people talk about oh, all relationships or all marriages are about sacrifice, we're, like, let's be honest about who is doing most of the sacrificing yeah. because uh, it's very, very obvious. And then, oh my gosh, the... Then they, then the, uh, there's the trying to romanticize what is happening and hiding behind. Oh, not everyone's perfect. Please, from when you're not a lamb, from when you're not a lamb, why are you, why are you being sacrificed? Even lamb, let Peter hear that we're sacrificing lambs. They're going to be on our <laughs> clock. From when you're not a lamb, why are you doing sacrificial lamb? For what? For who? And for why? Like. For what? And no one has ever asked for perfection. People are asking for fairness, for equitable and justice. No one's asking for permission, for perfection. But also, can we even talk about perfection 
when bare minimum has not even met, been the met. Bar, exactly. The bar? The bar is in hell. I said this to one wayward guy the other day. I said the bar is in hell. He said, oh, well, maybe the bar in and of itself is a patriarchal construct because why should there be standards that we need to meet? But you would say that because you want to persist in being a fucking piece of shit. Like, no disrespect. Imagine I'm saying that you want to be a fucking piece of shit and then say no disrespect. But really, that's what it is because the, the bar, like just treating um, femmes treating um, people who identify as women or whatever, treating them with a, a modicum of respect. That's asking too much of you. That is that is that is way too much of you. Like, and why should that be enough? Oh, you know what? Um, he doesn't call me a bitch. He takes me out and we talk as fr- like what? It's weird. It is weird to me. Um, but yeah, I oof. Yeah, Amina, go ahead. Sorry. Hello? Hello? Yeah, go on, Amina. Oh, in terms of like this bar, I find it quite ironic how men have created this system in order to one-up any minority in society. And they've created these methods as a means to push forward with capitalism on their terms. But then feel slighted by when their systems are challenged and when it ends up putting pressure on them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it interesting how like these boundaries, these standards that they're complaining about are standards that they use to control women. So when they're talking about being providers and the stresses that come with it, why create a system and structure that you use to control people to your benefit when you're now going to then complain about it backfiring on you? Yeah. And with Michelle's clip, it's interesting because I've got her book. And what, the new one? Reading her book. Yes. Yeah. So I've got her book and she talks about her journey. And I find it interesting because in her book, if you actually read it, whether it's the first one or the one that's coming out, this woman does, did not like this man. Like full stop. Yeah. This woman was irate at this guy's behavior. I'm so sorry. I don't care what politician or what president you're trying to be. When you've got children and you're prioritizing the gym, overseeing your own wife and kids, it doesn't matter what your status is but, at this point. Oh, but you're you, showing generally. No, but this is human. You know, in human design, he's a projector and she's a generator. And it makes sense because projector men are really, from what I've been reading, they tend to be really self-centered. And of course they're rare and they're meant to be guides for this life. But it means that they literally sacrifice they sacrifice the hearts of those who are in close proximity to them who are helping them get to where they want to get to so you're telling me that big big michelle obama that told us that when they go low we go high your man's going to the gym instead of seeing the children and that is a story that you felt that you would use to inspire us it's weird it's interesting again because um i think a lot of people because that clip doesn't capture this people don't realize that in her story she's talking about how initially she was the career woman she was the one that was the hot shot and Obama wasn't there yet so she didn't just go through this quote-unquote sacrifice in terms of children she had to go through this mental and emotional journey of going from this hot shot career woman Mm -hmm. to now having to ease back and she clearly distinguishes between easing back versus completely taking a back seat so the fact that she was already making those compromises in a way that she could afford to manage yeah. and he was still not seeing that compromise 
that adds another layer of disrespect. And I think a lot, I've seen a lot of discourse of people like, oh, you know, but they're politicians, that's their reality and it's not yours. And it's like, but surely this should show that no matter what class, what sector in society you're in, it's that same pattern of men building these structures, not being able to handle them in a way that they want to serve themselves. And then they're complaining as if it's our fault. Um, yeah. it just, it's just proof that across the board, no matter how much money or lack of money you have, that element of pushing for women to constantly be the ones to um, compromise in a way that's detrimental to their health and well-being, it just, just proof that it's there. So when we now want to unpack these structures and challenge these structures, there's complaints. When we're now like, okay, cool, have it your way, there's still complaints. So at each end, we're still being shagged. Um, regardless of how you look at it and I think it just goes to show how because the way she was talking in the interview I could understand to an extent where she was coming from in terms of like life has given takes but when she tried to soften that blow of oh you know relationships these days people are giving up I've noticed that there are women out there that do this thing of like I sacrificed xyz it worked out for me even though I went through so much pain I still came out on the other side so maybe you too can do that even when they know how much pain came with it, it's a way, it's almost a, a way of self-soothing or trying to uh, look for some sort of validation or reassurance that, you know, it was okay that I took this out or I took this compromise. And even if it's not going down that route, um, I think we've seen this pattern of women being enablers of patriarchal systems anyway. Um, even when they know the extent of pain and suffering, we see it in our families, we see it in our women folk where, they're pushing us to, you know, do the traditional marriage, pop out as many kids as possible. But then when you ask them, are you happy in your marriage? Um, why is it that the, the, the young daughters are babysitting, but you can't trust your husband to babysit? Or, or forget babysit, to look after your own kids. Why is that even seen as babysitting? Wow. It's that pattern. Do you see what I mean? Like, and, and I think it's very easy for women who have even experienced them come out the other end. Even when they're trying to give advice, it's very easy for them to um, fall into that trap of, oh, okay, but I made it, so there's still hope. Don't give up. Don't be that generation that gives in too easily. And we're just not that generation in that same sense of we're going to struggle for 20 years just for the sake of being together. We're a bit more open to the idea that some chapters will close. Um, kids should be a communal thing, not just raising them as mum, dad, and that's it. And I think I just want some men and women, especially in the older generation, to be a bit more honest about that instead of, trying to paint a picture that's not really there. You know, we hear about fantasizing, oh, look, our grandparents were together for like 40 odd years. Yes, because at, in their time, those women couldn't even open a bank account. How would they escape in the first place if they wanted to anyway? Look, talk, talk to the elders in, in your communities and the women especially will tell you exactly how it is. So I think that's the part that the book captures a bit more, that pattern of I started off as this hotshot and, and I slowly find myself diminishing and, and just shriveling up. But hey, I made it because he became president and I guess it worked out. So don't give up, guys. I, I feel like it's that stereotype being um, put forward and, and it just shows how um, sick and twisted this patriarchal system can really be. Like anyone can get it, essentially. And it doesn't have to be this way. We, don't, we shouldn't have to accept subpar treatment from these men because I'm so sorry, Obama aside... A lot of these, a lot of these men are not at that level anyway. And even if they were, it doesn't justify it. It doesn't like we're acting like being present for your kids is the most 
you know, difficult thing in the world. You know, I, I think you can give up a few extra work drinks to actually say goodnight to your kid. Um, I, I don't think you're, you know, you're an angel for doing that. I think it's basic human parenting. Um, so that's sort of how I see it. And I think the book gives you a lot more context. You will literally feel it in the words. This woman was pissed at this guy. That's why I'm scared to read it though. So that's the light we carry in it. Somebody sent it to me as a gift. I don't know if the publisher sent it or somebody else sent it to me, but uh, you really started something. You want to be starting something. You want to be starting something. You sent me the book. I haven't read it yet, but it's sitting right in front of me right now um, in my office. And you know, you made some really, really salient points. Um, it, 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 it's really sad. And anyway, he gave up all of this to be the president of an imperialist, bloodlusting, like warmongering entity. Oh, I'm so happy for you, sis. <laughs> well done. You know, like, well done. I mean, I know that there are some listeners here who, especially some men, they can't bear to hear you talk bad about Obama because, well, it gave me something to aspire to. And that is the problem, baby. That is the problem that of all the things that you could aspire to in this life, this is what you have. Like representation politics just has everyone by the neck and no disrespect to Michelle. Like, I don't know her like that. Sure, she's cool. But he very much gave me like vibes of, well, I was going to marry this white woman, but I need to do this 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 and this is like I don't know I'm not trying to like come off the thing I just I just find it I feel like I said it at the live show and I'm just gonna have to stand in my truth I'm not a big fan of Barack Obama I'm not that's not to say that you know I'm gonna like I believe in what the rest of them man are doing I just feel like I'm not if you've been listening long enough I'm not really a fan of a lot of people in that regard you know like people that are placed in these different like um, echelons of society and we're told that they're meant to be inspirational you not even know how I used to love down Oprah it got to a point where I was like uh, mm, I don't really agree with that point and I guess you can respect people and not re- you know agree with all of their things or whatever but when it comes to drones killing children fam i'm not with it i'm just i'm just not with it and i know that for a lot of people it's like well he's the first and it means so much in the trajectory of black americanism and i have to like let you lot hold that but if i i'm not looking at him as that i'm just looking at him as an individual person that is akin to a celebrity that is in this spot and his wife has come forward to say i gave up this 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 and i think that that's again if you don't know about human design, fine. But I'm just learning. Her as a generator, it makes sense that she was absolutely bossing it in her career. And then she saw him, she saw his potential. And that's the word that I hate most in this life. She saw his potential. Not that he was uh, that he was brought down, but she saw that he had greatness in him. And so she was willing to sacrifice what she was doing in order to align herself to him and use her energy system, her like endless energy as a generator to keep him going as a projector so he could guide people. But you have to now look at her. Now, where does it leave you? The only way you could justify it to yourself was, oh, at least he became that person. To what ends? To what ends? Yeah, I don't, I'm, I mean, I think Amina was being very kind to Michelle Obama. Personally, I don't know her, but I tried to read that becoming book. Boring snooze fest. I, I didn't even finish it. <laughs> but, um, all that this woman did was play, how, play out her social conditioning. She didn't do anything 
different. She maintained the script. She hated it and resented it, but she still played out her social conditioning because of that proximity to power that she now has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even when she's doing this whole anti-sufferation tour of hers that she did. (laughs) Not the anti-sufferation tour. (laughs) Because she's still playing the script and still playing the role because she's still making it seem like these are things that are natural compromises. Inevitable. They were inevitable and everyone must just hang in there uh, when, when, when the reality is you will, you will, you, you don't have liberation in that, in that structure because you will constantly be playing in the confines of what patriarchy allows you to do. And that is where she is because now her whole identity is this mother slash wife tool that she has because we don't see her high flying uh, attorney, lawyer, whatever, whatever, as an identity in its own right right yeah, now. Yeah. We don't see it. Yeah, it's true. And, um, you know, this episode, I ha- I will have touched on because I'm recording everything in a really random way. I would have touched on, you know, my separation from my partner and how it would, it, you know, this has been an ongoing thing and cost of living, cost of cost of living has meant that, you know, you have to like, make certain concessions in terms of um like living arrangements and rah 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 but um knowing that once you put that out there it just means that people now because of the ways that they try to weaponize marriage and relationships against women will be like ah I've gotten up I've gotten an in and it's like no I just know that I'm growing in every facet of my being and I realize that my assignment my purpose is not necessarily to to focus wholly on particular types of relationships. I need to go and discover and explore what it means to be me. What does it mean for me as an individual to exist in this life? And what are my like what are my um what's my potential um in that regard? And I feel like I've always felt that way and I've never felt more free. You know, like to just be like, you know what? It's been absolutely real, my G. Like it's been absolutely real. Not perfect at all. Nowhere near. (laughs) Lol. No, but what I mean by that is that you're dealing with human. You're a human. They're a human. You're working through your things. And I've always said like, when I see them threads that people are sending in to different podcasts or, you know, wherever, I'm like, in a way, I don't, I don't have them problems. Mine are so existential, the things that are happening that I need to go with it. Like I'm, I don't know where I'm going to end up in this life. Like, I don't even know if this podcast as it stands, is going to be like this. Like I cannot stop my train for anybody. And she, as in Michelle, is a clear example of that. I cannot stop my train for somebody else. Um, we're all on different karmic paths and you just hope that you can have a path, a path that's parallel that runs parallel to somebody else's and you can enjoy that journey together. But should you find at some point that you need to veer off, nobody's saying that your paths can't like come together and do a thing in the future. If that's what makes you feel better. But I'm saying that if in that moment, you know that you've got to veer off to do your thing, you have to do it because the greatest love story that you'll have in this, in this lifetime it's the one that you have with yourself. And my God, I'll be pissed, resentful if I didn't explore the things that I need to explore because I was just like, oh, but such and such wouldn't feel comfortable if I went and did this and they, I went and did that. Omar, <laughs> life is for the living. Absolutely. And for me, I think, I, I think it would serve us all to view 
uh, marriage, long-term partnership, marriage particularly in this construct, as industrial strength dating. Like, <laughs> pack light, pack light, pack light. You know, because any 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 gun can shoot. That's how I see it. And I think people have this notion of longevity and permanence in ways that is not realistic with life because there's nothing permanent in this life in the first place. Yeah. But also you like people like to decorate their cages. A decorated cage is still a cage. Oh baby. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And you know, I'm I'm just I'm not somebody that talks about my private life or whatever like that. So I'm not, I'm, we're going off what Michelle has shared about herself. I wouldn't necessarily go out there and be like, oh, and this is my life. I'm, I'm neurotically private about my personal life. However, um, you just know that when people feel like they have something, because a lot of women, I think that especially male identified women, I was saying it in my stories the other day. I don't hate many people. I mean, I dislike quite a few people but I don't hate many people right but I hate male identified women I cannot stand them because I know that they are an imminent very very evident danger because they will throw you under the bus to do the things that they need to do like the number of them that will be put in my podcast links or this and that whatever my stories or whatever into groups WhatsApp groups where they know that there are men who are very, very vile, but you're trying to buy their allegiance. You're trying to show them that, look, I'm not like her. So you're really putting me in the path of danger because you're trying to what? Secure cocky. That's it. Like cost of living crisis cocky is what you're trying to secure. And then you're putting me in harm's way. Like that's mad to me. And so when I'm hearing like, oh, such and such posted you, Nala, Nene, Shay, Shay, stop posting me. Like, leave me alone. If I'm so wrong, can't you not just have your conversation and leave me the fuck out of it? But again, I know that for them, it'll be like, oh, yes, see? And there's nothing to see. I just, I'm, you can't keep hiding behind relationships. Like, this is what gives you your soul identity. Like, look, somebody claimed me. That's really what it is. Somebody claimed me. Somebody thought I was good enough. But do you think you're good enough? Do you yourself think you're good enough? And in fact, do you even think this person is good enough? You're because you, that's also something. Because more time, that's not the case. No, these straight men are not that good for you to be prostrating up and down when they're still discoursing alpha male theory that was de- debunked three decades ago <laughs> and still have um, you know skid marks in their boxes. Like <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> no, it's um. It's a lot. It's 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 a lot. And that's why I wanted to be in conversation with you both um, as a chat, because I think that I worry for a lot of women. I worry for a lot of women who are interacting with cis het men in that they feel that in those moments they can't hold their own. Like somebody will start saying something so wreck and they try to cloak it in such a way that you then start questioning your sense of reality because you're like, baby, they're right. But why do you think they're right? Just because they're a man. The number of women who go to these men's pages like Kevin Samuels and and all of that, where you're trying to find a reason for the way that you're being treated a particular way and you think that it can change. But the fact of the matter is that patriarchy is insanity. It is insanity. You, It's not there is no you cannot find a resolution to whatever the thing is because in and of itself it is insanity it's weird Amina were you going to say something you know you could just talk yeah no do you know is sometimes I 
because I process things quicker in my brain, but I don't realize I might accidentally jump in. <laughs> so I always get a bit nervous about that. Um, I think I definitely agree with you in the sense that, um, you know, women that center men so much are actually, they're, I see them as a liability, um, especially when they're living in privileged societies where a lot of what they're parroting against in terms of rights and freedoms are being shared on a platform that they have the freedom to do so. Oh. So it's, it, it's, it's almost like a self, uh, it's almost like a form of self-harm, if you like, or just very like, you're so consumed by trying to fit in an image and, and fiend that allegiance that you don't realize how much it's harming yourself. And there's actually a pattern of this in his, throughout history. Um, anytime where eventually the movements get sabotaged, it always starts from within. And whenever yeah. there have been movements within amongst women, you know, one of the ways to get through breaking down those progressions is by having that infighting. Uh, we, we see this pattern across other demographics generally. So it's not surprising that it shows up amongst women. And I think there's always a link between how capitalism is unfolding in a society, how certain rights and freedoms are linked to capitalism always coincide with male violence and women's rights being stripped off. And I think it's quite scary, actually, that we're seeing a lot of this discourse around women compromising, women complaining about working, women complaining about feminism at a time where economically the, the global sphere is in chaos. Yeah. Um, it's not lost on me that as we're seeing the economy crumble, as we're seeing all this data and all these sob stories about men being lonely because women don't want to settle, that we're starting to see this aggressive push. We see it in our algorithms. We see it in the content we consume. You know, I could be just watching. I've noticed this just on my own, like generally, like I'll be watching some cooking shows next minute I'm being recommended about high value men. And it's like, what's this doing on my, on, on my account? Yeah. And so it's not, there's all these um, systems and patterns that we've seen throughout history. And it's not lost on me that this is the kind of discourse. And, and it's scary because in, in the same breath that we're seeing male centered women, uh, especially here in the West complaining and, and, and trying to make it seem like there's this clash between working women and women that decide to stay at home or decide to um, go for a more quote unquote traditional. And again, even that traditional gender role, that traditional setup, who is it actually traditional for? Because yeah. that in itself is laid within a white capitalist, white supremacist society. Because if we think about it, you know, from, for a lot of us who are from immigrant families, the nuclear family structure itself with all these quote-unquote gendered roles it's not really something that's entrenched in our culture in the same way that is being parroted now mm. it wasn't normal for us especially from African countries to just have mom dad raising kids it was a very communal effort mm. it was very much involved within your village within your neighborhood and so even that whole concept of trying to push that traditional structure is not something that comes from that strictly comes from our backgrounds anyway. That is something that came through through um, colonialism and white supremacy. So even that aspect can be challenged in so many ways. And I think a lot of the conversations about like equality versus equity, which I find really strange that they're being pitted to get against each other, this whole concept of sacrifice, what is that looking like when the data is showing uh, that, especially within amongst Black women, that we're having to shoulder a lot of the financial burden anyway. Yeah. We're looking at the rate and how capitalism affects different racial and ethnic demographics. And the same Black men that are trying to push all these harmful rhetoric to us, 
you're being flogged by that same system. So the fact that when push comes to shove, you're willing to side with patriarchy at the expense of your own women folk is also very scary. So I feel like it's all a jagged sword, whichever way you look at it, yeah. because we're just being shagged by the same system in different contexts. But isn't that and we it just though? Get the brunt of it. But this is what we want. We want to recognize it, don't we? We just want to recognize. We exactly, just want yeah. these people, men especially, cishet men especially, to recognize that this system is fucking us all. And so the more so of um be, you know uh benefits that you think that you get from it it's not worth what it's doing to you it's not worth the way that it's destroying you it really isn't but yeah. they can't see outside of that and i feel like that is where my my purpose is kind of veering me towards how do we ignite our imaginations how do we ignite our imagination so we imagine a life different to this one that you think that this is the only way and I feel like that's what the podcast for as long as I've had it has been an exploration without me realizing it per se an um, an exploration of how I can use my imagination to do something different I didn't know what the having a solo podcast would entail or how it would go me sharing all of these things as my life develops and grows I've had incredible amounts of like backlash for no reason other than than I'm a black woman who's speaking out and I feel like more time the most hurtful times are when you see black women there agreeing with it and you're like what the fuck are you agreeing with like right now tell me what the fuck are you agreeing with in this situation if not for the fact that you're trying to secure yourself a man a man who clearly is violent and you shouldn't be anywhere near him but you would rather have that and so to me it's just like can you not imagine anything other than violence than settling for for violent mediocrity but clearly not well this is the thing and and go on Oh, clearly not because um, oh, what was that word? Um, homoeroticism or something. Oh, like that? we're gonna I touch on the, that, baby. Yeah, that that shows up throughout history how when push comes to shove, men do typically like to impress each other, whether it's through financial means, social status, um, how much power they've got. Their default, based on how we've been conditioned, is to seek control and power through violence. And it's they why, choose, like you've got all they choose each around. other. That's another thing as well. As you're saying, exactly. they, men choose each other. Women, and I'm talking specifically black women, we are the ones, and I'm, I guess like, let's bring, whittle it down because I don't want to speak for the black American women, but black British women in this current state, I'm not talking about our, you know, mm-hmm. our four sisters and all of them lot there. We don't choose each other. Like you could get disbanded exactly. so easily. I watch it happen online all the time. Some of my favorite times are when like the young, I see like the younger black women when they get online and they do bass boss and they choose one target and they they dismantle that guy's life there's nothing that brings me more joy because i'm like if you can do this here imagine what you can do at you know in a on a macrocosmic scale when you use that same kind of mobilization where you're all like boom 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 and it's strategized that is how we move forward but it's like you can't that that structure doesn't seem to be able to hold enough long enough for there to be like long term change that's why I say people are performing progressiveness and that's why it doesn't Mm. hold because it falls apart at the seams. Male identified women will always uh, throw other women under the bus. For me, I agree with Amina, they're a liability. (laughs) They're a liability. They need to be left behind. Some people need to be left behind when you're going to war. Some people need to be left behind. You've got to go. You You are slowing us down, baby. 
all the best. All the best. Leave them. Uh, and I don't, I'm, I also, because ultimately men ultimately know that patriarchy doesn't suit them, but they have chosen, they've done the cost benefit analysis and they are willing to give up whatever they're willing to give up to maintain dominance and control, which is why for me, my ministry is not, is not telling them, but patriarchy hurts you too. I don't give a fuck. I don't, excuse Oof, me. I, don't I love it. I don't care. I don't care. Figure it out yourselves. We have got places to go. And I think that is where the energy needs to be. And we're not convincing people that um, benefit from an oppressive system that they need to let go of it. The, the focus needs to be on uniting uh, those that want to, move forward and accept that there are people that are just going to vote against their interests. There are people that are so deep in the source of individualism. You just have to accept that they're lost causes. And that's where I'm at in my feminism. I just think I ain't got time. Yeah. The best, the violence of patriarchy will meet you. Cause even look at Michelle Obama, she played by the rules. She gave up, but she's, exactly. she's full up. The resentment is palatable. Yeah. Why? Every time she's talking about sacrifice and I did sacrifice this and sacrifice that. What has Obama ever uttered a word about anything that he, he sacrificed? Why is he, he sacrificed? Sacrifice? What did he sacrifice? He sacrificed. Damn. Also, even if he did sacrifice anything, have you noticed how like a lot of men don't sit down and have interviews about how much they wonderfully sacrifice things for their family, how much they wonderfully sacrifice things for their wife and how much they cheerleaded her on? It's always the women talking about what they had to take a step back for and how they had to do it. You never hear those stories about like, wow, I, my wife went through so much physically, you know, yeah. I felt some type of way. I wanted to do extra for her so that she could recover after she's just pushed out a whole human being. You never hear stories like that in, on the same scale as you hear it from mothers. And so they know, they are very aware that a mother's role is important in society, but they're not aware enough to see it as something worth dignifying. So they'd rather, before they try to push on this lifestyle on you and this decision to be a mother, to be another machine for capitalism, they will first degrade you and do it with sweet words and then say, this is your role. This is what your function is meant to do. Look, biologically, this is what it's supposed to be. They will never do it from a place of uh, dignity and respect and that's why when I hear conversations around like feminism where people are talking about oh no 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 we don't need to push for equality we need to push for equity how do you achieve equity when you refuse to acknowledge me as an equal being in society okay. how can you even begin the conversation of giving women the equity whether they're a stay-at-home career woman whatever type of woman or femme you want to be how can that conversation even happen with dignity if you don't acknowledge that my existence deserves some sort of equality? Uh, and I think that's where the manipulation starts and the conditioning starts from a young age, because we talk about like, wow, you know, a mother's importance is so, you know, valued, you know, let's, let's be um, pro-life. And you, you see how that conversation spins around, like, you know, you're carrying something so special, but when you look at the systems, when you look at the support um, in place in societies, everywhere you go, you can you can generally see the pattern of show me what your healthcare system, show me that what society has in place and its structures, and I can tell you how well they prioritize women. There's a pattern there. There's always that correlation. So I think that form of manipulation is extremely scary because at the end of the day, uh, not all these men are completely ignorant. They are aware. They are aware of 
the power women can have by simply saying, I don't want to populate this planet. How about that? But that's why they, there has to be this conditioning from a young age. But that's why we've had the whole Roe v. Wade being um, overturned and all of this stuff. Exactly. um, I have a short story that I actually wrote about that. Um, similar like that links to that as well but it's so funny when you talk about sacrifice and as it pertains to cishet men because the ones that we see when they have to have that conversation do you know what they're only ever thinking about that they had to sacrifice them hoes it's only fidelity fidelity to them is the biggest it's the biggest sacrifice that they've had to make in this life because oh the gal them want me i'm the gal them fructose like you're not you're not you're not or it's like a promotion it's like oh no you know I had to start work early so that I don't have to see my kids and get them ready for school. <laughs> or like, you know, I have to go for that cheeky work drink because the only time I'm assertive enough to put myself for promotion is when they're a little bit tipsy. Right. That's your sacrifice. That's your sacrifice. Okay? But And, and I, I just find that so, so weird. Like, it... Uh, what I think that being able to move away from a space of like men are not the prize will help a lot of people. But then if you do that, Mm -hmm. this is what I was saying about imagination earlier. If you do that, you're going to cause problems. And that is why there's pushback from certain male identified women, because they are like, what the fuck are you doing? Therefore, if you do that, if you take away men are not the prize, I have no purpose because society has not taught me to have a purpose outside of, you know, chasing and attaining a man like they, I have not been taught anything. So then, what does my life mean if that is not the you know the grand um, prize in all of this? And that is when I'm like, let your imagination kick in because there is so much more. I'm not saying that we don't have relationships. I'm just saying that there has to be fairer, more just relationships because that is not what we currently are seeing playing out on a large scale. So if you're having big, big Michelle writing up and down, writing all these bare words in book one, book two, book three, and you're still coming back to the same thing that you're resentful, like babes, like something, something's got to give, something has to change. And that's what I think it's so dangerous in this world, particularly where we have Roe v. Wade. And, you know, we're not even going to touch on the global South because they didn't even have a Roe v. v. Wade to repeal. Like things are still, uh, they don't even, they never had it in the first place. So when Michelle Obama is talking about, uh, because really when you deep that monologue, she's giving choice feminism and she's using specific language. I made choices to make it about her, to give the responsibility away from the structures and the violence of the system. And the fact, the fact of the matter is, she she made choices in response to the selfishness of her husband yeah. in the confines and the constraints of patriarchy that allows her to make choices. Which is why I say people when people say I make choices, did you really, or did you just play out social conditioning? Because the choices we're making are not in isolation. We're being forced to make particular choices yeah. and toe a particular line. So it's very very dangerous for her to then say um, people just need to struggle on and not give up so easily when when the violence of patriarchy is 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 increasing it's exponential it's exponential and this is why we have this rhetoric about oh men are lonely and uh you know we need uh, they're sexless men and they're going to get violent they're going to get violent if we just don't give it up oh please that's scary to me though and like amina was touching on it earlier and i'm glad that we're here now because this is also what i wanted to talk about like how is it that women are having like femmes generally are having more sex right but there are these men out there 
who are angry because they're not getting enough sex. And what's funny is that I don't think that that's fair also in the, because some of the people that I've come across who are the most violent that I know as men, they get sex. So there's something else. There is something there is also there is some there is another layer to that whole dynamic that so when I was calling them nig cells the other day when I had to make the all my sons episode them them not get girls they get girls so it's not for a lack of proximity to women there's something else that you want what is it and and it might not even be real you're just trying to find justification for bullshit behavior for bullshit violence that's really to me what it comes down to and again i will repeat it i don't give a fuck what any of you think yeah i don't like not you two obviously but some of you listening you swear up and down that you like this stephen bartlett guys um um podcast um diary of a ceo whatever to me it's now diary of a cunt explaining obviously that's that's what ceo stands for as far as i'm concerned because why you went from getting people who are CEOs and doing this and doing that to just getting any old motherfucking body to come and talk. And then I see these clips flying across the internet and they're dangerous because they're using language as if what they're saying makes sense. And people are taking that in, they're absorbing that and you're causing us more harm in our society. That is not okay. You've weaponized for centuries to um, to women that Oh, if you are too strong, if you have your own car, your own home, if you do, if you are too educated, no man will want you and you're going to die alone. If you're too opinionated, you're going to die alone. But I didn't see a single woman then pick up a, um, a machine gun and go spray it up in a shopping mall. She didn't do that. But it's when men are denied things that they feel that they are entitled to. You genuinely are socialized into a society that where men believe from the age of boyhood or whatever, they believe that they are entitled to at least one woman in this life, if not 79. They believe that they have the right to have that. And when that feels like it's not theirs or women are talking back too much or doing this too much, then you have a right to kill them. Like we say, oh, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them. And so for it's so irresponsible to me to then have somebody on the show who's trying to rationalize that. You told us that we were going to die alone and we went, all right, you know what? Maybe it's worth it then. If it means that I can get to my full potential, maybe it's worth it then. Meanwhile, when the moment you have to consider dying alone, it's like everybody else has got to die with me. Something's not right. And it's always a veiled threat. It's always positioned as a veiled threat right. and, and a global and a global like, oh, my God, it's a social issue that we all need to we all need to address. Whereas lonely, lonely women are just told are told to be cat ladies. who are going to die alone. But all of a sudden we just now need to be all at the ready and respond to the issue of this insult rhetoric. And it's very, very dangerous. And again, it positions um men as entitled to a relationship, entitled to sex, entitled to our, uh, to our bodies whenever they want. And we know that intimate partner violence is, is very high. Mm-hmm. These men, these houses are getting sex. So it's not access mm-hmm. to sex, like you said. We also know that even in the global South, we have the opposite effect because what we have is pedophilia and um, exponential exploitation of women mm-hmm. uh, and girls because of the socioeconomic status. And so it's not, again, access to sex. It is violence that is... Um, that permeates in a very in a very different way, but it's still the construct of patriarchy, the concept of entitlement, and this insult rhetoric that normalizes 
uh, these things that I frankly do not care. I don't care if men never have sex. I do not care. But it's the way that it's, it is brought up though. And I look at how that scares a lot of women in relationships um, because it's always used that like, oh, but I've got urges and I've got to fulfill them in one way or another. And I'm like, but see, society taught you that because you think that women don't have urges, but, but they've been shamed into not expressing that they have urges where you've been able to run yourself ragged. Like the pH balance in your mouth is, it's, it's musty, it's off because of all the different pussies that you're still purveying like you're submerging your face in but you can do that because it's about oh I'm trying to grow and I'm an intense individual you're a slag you're a slag and you've been allowed to be so but women have been denied that opportunity they're the ones that have been labeled with you know that sort of rhetoric and you know oh they're slut shame they're slut shame that when men are doing the exact same thing if not worse if not more but they don't get those labels and what happens is that in the wake of you doing all the things that you're doing you're you're literally disintegrating their sense of self with each person that you interact with but that is okay because you were taught that you are allowed to use women as rehabilitation centers to your broken self while you're figuring out what the fuck it is that you should have figured out with your mother yikes <laughs> wow <laughs> because i i have a real thing about that like you know that people like to come at people and be like you've got absent fathers absent fathers absent fathers it's such a loaded thing absent fathers right but there are people where you lot have grown up in two parent households and i'm talking about cishet men now specifically you lot have grown up in two parent households. Your mom is an effervescent character. She's got so much life to her or whatever. She's this, she's that. You don't like her. You've got, you've got beef with your mom. All right, cool. So you've got a mother wound. Your dad though, your dad has stuck by her. Maybe for, for want of a better term, he's tolerated her. He hasn't really, he hasn't really patterned her is the way that you would have seen it. Right? So you align yourself with your father. That it's my mum that has had my dad under the thumb So then you go out to seek relationships with women Women that you deem to have some power, right? They have to specifically have power You don't like women who are just minding their business You don't even want the male identified women You don't want them ones You don't want them ones You want the ones who are doing their own thing, whatever You then um, chase them Try to get into situations and relationships with them Because you want to act out the way that you believe your dad should have punished your mother. So you then, you'll go into those things, sweet as pie initially, but your aim, your subconscious aim, your driving force is to break those women down because you're just like, this is what should have happened with my mum because then my mum would have been this and then my mum would have been that. And it seems really random to say, but I see it play out in so many different ways um, in our society. And I just wish like more people would have conversations about that. Like who are you trying to battle when you enter into romantic relationships? More cishet men need to be asked that. Is it your father? Or is it your mother? Let Be clear. Be clear on who it is because otherwise you're just destroying people for no reason at all. But that would require that the introspect go to therapy, develop some empathy, some emotional intelligence, which we all know they're allergic to. 90, 98% of them are allergic to it. And, it's, and I think this is why this conversation of, oh, we just need fathers in the home is so disingenuous. Oh. At, at 
the what 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 is the quality of fathers that we're having in the home? It's not a couple of months ago there was this huge viral thread of um married single mothers that was trending. Yeah. You know, you know, mm-hmm. these were people that had two parent two parent households, but absent present absent fathers in the home we have fathers that are just socializing their sons under the same violent toxic masculinity that that they then come out and enact um in on society we have um you know if homes where there's absent fathers but then the blame is on the single mothers that stayed yes. and this is not say that um a lot of harm doesn't happen um, uh, and at the hands of women. Definitely, and definitely. Mothers, it absolutely does. But look at the circumstances and the context around the overwhelm, the socioeconomic pressures, um, and 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 then and then the lack the, of community, blame, lack of community lack support, of community, yeah, support, and the blame that uh, that woman also gets, and the shaming of being the a single shame, mother, and the yeah. blame of that man leaving her and she must have driven him away. And then the children blame, blame her and then absolve their absent father. And it, it, there is a problem with, with how masculinity is socialized. Then we see it permeate both homes where there is a mother, uh, quote unquote, uh, the nuclear family, a typical mom and dad or her straights in, in, in heterosexual marriages uh, or homes and uh, in, in the in single parent households where the men have been allowed to abandon their children with no recourse and no consequence. But then they can jump on Instagram and they'll post like the one day that they took them to football and be like, this is what I'm teaching them. I'm getting them ready for the world. But 98% of their time they're spending with the mother, the mother that barely gets a break. But then when you hear about a woman breaking down, and this is why I thought it was important to have this conversation because my good sisters, women are dying. Women are dying from heartbreak. They are dying from stress. They are dying in this country specifically that we know as this bad vibes island. Women are dying. Black women are dying on a a mad rate. And they can call it this ailment, that ailment, that ailment. But I call it the violence of patriarchy and the fact that they've swallowed, swallowed, swallowed shit for so long. And they can't, they can't say anything. And I'm, I think about it more. And like, this is why it's, it's my responsibility to make sure that I speak about certain things and have certain conversations because as challenging as people might feel um, that these conversations are happening, there's no other way out of this. Like you silent, how, how has silence worked for you lot so far? So we might as well talk about the things. It's not always like we're going to get it right off the bat. But we have to definitely talk about them and definitely not have the conversation solely on Twitter, because I think that that is where the performativity happens. Like there are so many men, cishet men who are online performing goodness. Go and look at their lives. You're only as good as the women in your life. How good are they? Like, how are they? Are they well? Are they okay? No, because you fuck them all over. How are they? But you can jump online and you'll be writing thread after thread about we need to do more. And you mentioned, um, Lorraine, about the 98% of the cis men doing da 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 da. The 2%, you 2% that have your, your brain switched on, that you're practicing empathy, you're going to therapy, you're washing your ass, you're doing it, that you're doing it, you're cleaning your nails, you're cutting your nails, you're brushing your teeth properly, all of that, like you're doing all of the things. Why aren't you going back for your homeboys? 
Because even you know how dangerous it is to go into that 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 land. You know that in the Lion King when them hyenas were hanging around. <laughs> you 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 don't want to go back into that barren land to go and get your boys. So you know how dangerous it is. So why should that be the responsibility of a woman? You two percent that have your head switched on, that you have your heart engaged and your soul is ignited. Why have you not gone back for your boys? Instead, you direct your energy towards telling us how you grew and how you changed. You're feeding that towards women. You're preaching to the choir. Go and get your heathens. There's also another reason why they don't. Um, besides the fear, it's actually not in their interest. Talk to me. For, for two reasons. So for one, they, they benefit from the majority of men being subpar, violent, you know, controversial, because those men don't even face repercussions for the most part anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity for them to look good doing the absolute bare minimum. So there's that aspect where they actually benefit. They don't, they don't lose out by um, having, let's, let's say in the workplace, for example, if there's a bunch of men in toxic you know, men culture and how they may like harass or make comments towards their female colleagues, they don't benefit by standing up for the woman. They benefit by keeping quiet and playing by the books because they're not in the firing line. So there's the aspect of they actually benefit from looking good because they're not doing, they're not doing the killing. They're not doing the violence. So that makes them look amazing in comparison until you actually dig deep to what they're really thinking then there's the aspect of if I have to hold my boys accountable, how many of them will now be my boys? Oof. Probably in the minus. <laughs> so there's, there's that aspect as well. So it's like, not only are they scared, they actually benefit by having a lot of men be so subpar. And because it enables them to um, push for the power dynamics they actually want in a way that's more subtle and more sinister. Ooh. Because now they can frame it from a place of, Oh, but I'm providing for you. I'm doing X, Y, Z. I'm the good guy. Because there are yes. worse out there. And, and out there are rapists do, and molesters. That DJ, I'm not one of them. I, I exactly. just gaslight you on a daily basis. basic necessities that they provide for their partners or their families or their kids as conditions. And this is where it goes really left for a lot of women and how they find themselves being swindled out of those wills, swindled out of, you know, not having their own assets uh, when you hear men talking about being providers, even the good guys, they frame it as a conditional aspect rather than it being a human right. One thing we need to understand across the board, human rights are not up for negotiation. Yes. They're human rights for a reason. It is your given right. And so when those things are now framed as something to give back, something to consume, again, part of that capitalist machine, things like having a roof over your head, a man paying your bills, a man giving you X, Y, Z, those are now conditions for you to stay in line. And so when you've got those good men who are not beating their partners or beating their wives or whatever type of violence, they're framing it from a perspective of, oh, can't you see? I know a bit of feminism 101, equality, right? Oh, but I'm doing this for you. But oh, look, I washed the dishes. Don't you want to congratulate me? I oh, said I'm sorry. I'm in the same direction as your as our kids yeah. oh but I'm babysitting the kids that I'm also responsible of bringing into this world they frame it as a conditional contractual thing that takes an emotional load off of them and places on the women and that's how you get things like the triple burden um, the emotional burden that even career women face there was a whole um, there was a clip that was circulating and it's it's backed by a lot of studies anyway where women that out earn men 
are also suffering even more in some capacity because mm. they're having to overcompensate and also having to deal with the fact that when they are making huge strides in their personal lives and making huge wins, that so-called good guy actually sees it as a failure on their end yeah, because they can't take it. So there's that aspect as well. Like it benefits these good guys who might not say anything for the system to still be in place, for patriarchy and all this violence to be in place. Because it makes them look so good that we can't actually see how subpar they are and how manipulative they are. But this is why I say like they're agents of white supremacy. I said that to somebody the other day, they got yep. vexed and they were like, ay, 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 shouting like a bitch. You are, a lot of cishet men are agents of white supremacy. Do you both know what I mean by that? But I, well, you pretty much um, explained quite a bit of it, Amina, but I know that you can take it, Lorraine. Absolutely. And this is why we know the difference. When we talk of racism, we know that there's anti-racism. It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm not racist. But when it comes to misogynoir, like we are take, they, there's these tokenistic, um, I think, tokenistic things that were given to placate us and we think oh my god they're okay because at least they are not at least they are not killing us at least they're not raping us but they are not being anti-misogyny anti-misogynoir because they're not doing anything outside of their comfort zone they don't challenge the system they merely make things or appear good uh to the women that they benefit from within their circles that they desire yeah and that they take from yeah they don't do anything beyond the women that they find attractive, that they desire, that they benefit from anyway. Yeah. Um, and absolutely, I think a lot of straight men do parrot this white supremacist rhetoric because it's very much bar for bar, bar for bar, line for line, the same thing that white supremacists say when, when talking about um, their privilege. Yes. Uh, and they don't see um, that they, 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 that the system needs to be dismantled as opposed to trying to maneuver and 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 placate us with diversity and inclusion. That is the same thing with misogynoir. We get stuck in this rhetoric of of uh, of making minor minor concessions um, and never ever challenging the system. I, I yeah, that's it. I mean. Um... I, I thought it would be clear because I'm just like, look at all of these systems that are in place. How do you not see that by behaving the way that you do, you are an agent of white supremacy because your actions support white supremacist ideology. And that's not to say that all of us are immune to that happening in our day-to-day lives. Sometimes I can move mad and be an agent of white supremacy. Do you get what I mean? But it's it's you have to have self-awareness. You have to be armed with self-awareness in this life, lest you get fucked. And not enough people see it. And so you say to someone, oh, that's embarrassing that you'd call me that because that's what, that's what, how you're behaving. That is exactly how you're behaving. And if somebody hasn't told you, you need to know that. I was looking, I was thinking about, you know, like um, a lot of the people that were told, um, you know, the, um, the leaders that have now, that are now dead, the Malcolm X's, the Martin Luther King's, Mandela in a certain regard, all of these men, they didn't treat the women in their lives well. And, I don't feel like that's spoken about enough. And I actually think that that is the framework that a lot of cishet men are working from. The idea that like, name me one, like I love to be educated. Name me one of the fighters of one of the leaders that was, that was good to their black woman that was just on job. Because at every point from what I've seen, find me one listeners of Say Your Mind podcast, find me one, one. If you can find me one and don't let me go and do research and be able to debunk it, find me one. 
I bring this up because at every point, black women have been collateral damage for the greater good, the perceived greater good. How do you have time to cheat on me when you're meant to be dismantling racism? When you're meant to be dismantling white supremacy, but you're all because I'm on the road and beg you want me, you know, it is what it is. Like Coretta had to deal with them things and you and it doesn't get spoken about because it's almost like, well, this is the cost of what it is for a man to be great. And if that is where our imagination is capped, of course, all you're going to see is this playing out over and over and over and over again. And I just want better for women. Like, I don't know. It I mean, just struck see me. That play out even in today's world when, and the, in terms of that collateral damage, when we see um, movements that are happening today to benefit the black community or to raise awareness, Look at the disparity of when the victim is a black woman versus when it's a black man. Yep. Um, uh, who was her name just completely slipped my mind, but I remember when um, she was at a protest fighting for black men's right, only to then be murdered by yes. a black man himself. Me, so it, it, it's yeah, do, yeah. Do you see, it's just that cycle of constantly finding ourselves in situations where we're just bearing the brunt of it from all angles, regardless of what part of the black community you're from just by virtue of being a black woman yeah that's already putting you in so many people in so many firing lines to the point where even your own for a lot of the times don't have even the inclination or the urge to want to protect you yeah that is a um, very mentally taxing thing to experience Oluwatoyin Salau that was her name yes Oluwatoyin yeah yeah that's that's what I I know that name because every time I see her picture every time I see anything about her my heart just drops because it's just like that what she basically died at the same hands of people that she was fighting for to live. It's sad, it's heartbreaking, it, and it and it hurts. Like I think about that often. Like sometimes the dynamics that I'm facing um, as this public facing person are the same dynamics that I have to interact with on a microcosmic scale um, where you are observing something. People come to you because you're so observational, your family, your, your people, they praise you for how observant you are. And then you turn that observational lens on them and you're like, look at this. And then it's like, oh, you're, you're erratic, you're this, you're angry, you're insecure, you're this, you're that. What does it mean to call a woman insecure in this society? She feels unsafe. She feels unsafe. Why? Because you, the, the parameters that you've set, they're not cool. They're not cool. They're not all right. And so I look at Oluwatoyin, I look at Sandra Bland and every time I think mm-hmm. to myself, like, I've got to make it through this thing. I know that not all of us make it through this thing or we don't make it through this thing unless the rapture happens with our physical body. But I want to, I want to live to see close to a hundred. You get it? Like, I want to see that. And for me to be able to see that, certain things need to change. And I can't stay here because I feel like I'm in the land of the dead. Like, I genuinely, I feel like I'm surrounded by corpses or zombies because you're saying things and people swear that they're living and you're like, but how can you be? How can you be where you've got no sustenance? And this conversation, I feel like is one of many of various things, but I just felt, feel like it needed, you know, it needed to be covered. Something needed to be said about it. But it's when I looked at the freedom fighters, the quote unquote freedom fighters, and I looked at them and I said, Ra, even you, for you that believed in, you know, an equitable, as you want to say, society, you believed in liberation, you believed in fairness, but that did not, that did not mean anything actually in your own home. Like the women that supported you didn't mean anything in that regard. Then how do we go forward from there? Like it's, it's just weird. But if somebody can find me some, somebody, 
bring it forward But it doesn't look like that's the case And so that's the way that we normalise certain things But I don't want to I don't want to only cap my imagination to that I believe that there is a way to fight for justice mm-hmm. and fairness and still no joy. But I thought I would give you um, scenarios because I feel like we talk about like the big things, the systemic and institutional things. Um, so I think that it's good to be able to point out the nuances and to, to, and to notice like how violence, cishet violence or patriarchal violence plays out in really subtle ways. So one example I have here is, um, okay, so... It's cishet person's, let's say, birthday, right? They're doing the whole I'm, flu- I'm fluid. I'm just, I'm just flowing with life, and you're there. Um, so that's you or Amina. You're. The, I don't know if you can be there, Amina, but um, you're there, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, um, and then they get a phone call, and this is from another boo. Um, and they're trying to show you their transparency that, oh, I'm not really seeing her anymore. Um, but they've kind of made it out to them that they're spending their birthday alone. So you <sighs> go to be quiet because they need to have that conversation as if they're alone. And so this one's saying, oh, how are you getting on with the day? Did you get my present? Did you get my this? And they're like, yeah, I'm just just taking it easy. Um what do you do in that situation? What happens there? What is that? First of all, what is it? And what do you do? What's that dynamic happening there? And what do you... <laughs> it's the sign. In terms, <laughs> it's the sign. In terms of... Do you know what that feels like? Just that situation. It feels like you're going to hug me and then punch me in the face and <laughs> then say it's self-love. That's what it feels like, first of all. But a man to be that comfortable telling me that. Nah. That one there? Hmm. In terms of what I would do, do you know what? As you were saying it, I was thinking, you know that bad girls club, the girl with the sweatpants. <laughs> if uh, if I didn't no get peace. no sleep, y'all ain't getting no sleep. <laughs> no one's getting no sleep. My version now is getting no peace. What? How do you even feel comfortable to approach that level of disrespect? And like, this is, you know, men talk about like the logical gender, no emotions. You're doing a whole load of acting to portray a certain emotion to someone on the phone. And yeah, for me personally, I literally will feel like you're going to hug me, then punch me. That's that's the best way I can describe that situation. It's so wayward. Like, but then don't they say the thing about they'll be like, oh, it's because you don't trust me because I'm handling the situation for me to speak to her in front of you. For me to speak to her in front of you, I'm handling it. No, no, oh no. I feel like do you know what this actually <laughs> goes back to how men talk about bluntness yeah because and, and this is where people um blur the lines between being honest and upfront um and, and blunt with and disrespectful yeah and cruel that's the word cruelty. it's real there's a it's lack real of, cruelty um, uh, kindness in people's honesty I think people assume that just because you say things how it is that there's no cruelty to it men know when they're being honest because you see how they chat to their boy hey, yo, bro like let me just chat to you real quick. I'm just trying to say, yeah, just think of it this way. They're able to articulate and adapt. But when it's with women, there's just an element of cruelty. It's savagery, but this is what I'm say. saying. It's, like, it's cruel. why are you beefing? Your, if, you're, if, if you're beefing your mum, go and beef your mum because this doesn't make sense. And I find it so interesting that you say that. And when we were talking about homoeroticism earlier, they are mm. so, men manage the f- relationships with their boys so carefully, 
so gently. They do not approach each other on a mad vibe because they always say, oh, you know that it can result in death. But you don't think about the soul murder that you put women through when you don't manage those relationships correctly. There's, I think that things can... When I read a lot of that, the threads and everything that I see on socials about relationships, it really hurts my heart because I'm like, fam, it's so simple. Casual relationships, just because something is casual does not mean it has to be cruel or disrespectful. Like have sex, but then when, if the person now, let's say the person got upset now, like, Ra, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what? Oh, calm down. Like, why are you taking it so serious? I was just on the, (laughs) Lorraine, what is that (laughs) face? That face is the, is the face I make when I'm like, the Lord knows not to give me such tests because the ruckus and the noise I will make, I will tear down. I will tear down that. Oh, it's like, literally in that minute that I'll find a blender somewhere and start making stew somewhere. Blender. Yeah. Just yeah, cough. Like, Just cough. Not? Like fam, cough. Cough and fuck up the base. Oh, oh, like, oh You know what? Let me not use my inhaler. In fact, <laughs> let me actually let my lungs do its thing. Because what? I think when you deep it though, patriarchy has never, um, it has never required integrity in the masculinity that it socializes men under. It, it always has, uh, has put forward traits like competitiveness, hypersexuality, ego, um, dishonesty, because they will be dishonest to get to what they want yeah. all the time. So those are the things that are celebrated. E- uh, and, and so when in those situations, when you are when you are expecting integrity, their default position is to not be um, not to not have integrity because they would never take that. Straight men would never take that from yeah. a straight woman. If I was sitting there and I was like, "Shh," <laughs> <laughs> I'm handling it. I'm handling it. They would never. They would never accept that. They would never. They would be like, "Rah, this bitch, whatever, whatever." They'll be calling you all sorts of up and down names and, and, you know, possibly be violent. Yeah. They would never accept that. They would never. The logical gender, by the way. The logical gender. The logical gender. And then we then get trapped in this whole, um, uh, this whole, like, you need to appear like the cool girlfriend and, oh, you're okay with it. Me, I will never be. I will, I will never, never ever in this life I will, I will punch you in your throat I will cuss you out It's what? not okay behaviour <laughs> That's what I'm saying Patriarchy is be. insanity It is insanity Because you know like You'll just be there Like reading these things Like is everybody alright So what? And what makes them think That that's okay to do So you're trying to Literally hold on to Whoever that person is Because you want them To think that you're alone So that So the opening is still there Meanwhile you're performing Transparency to this person But if this person has sense They'll see that That's not transparency at all You're just being They're playing in your face They're playing in your face Oh, I think it circles back To the whole equality Versus equity That conversation Is a typical example Of how you're not able to see this person as an equal to you as a human being to the point where you don't give them that dignity that would come with equity to even approach the situation in a respectful manner. Mm. And I think, I know it sounds so far-fetched, I might be making a mad connection, but if we're circling back to the whole Michelle Obama situation and, and, and how their dynamic evolved, you could argue, I'm just going based on what I've read in the book so far yeah. and a little clip, 
I wouldn't be surprised if there were elements of that in their interaction where that dignity wasn't afforded as a default towards Michelle, despite the, 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 the dynamic changing in terms of their careers and who was peddling forward and who was having to um, pull back a bit. I, I can see instances of that just never being acknowledged and how that built up on Michelle for so many years. Uh, um, it's, it's very interesting how like these same groups of people that talk about being logical and being rational, their emotions, their behaviours, how they respond to things, their perception of consequences in society are nothing but extremely volatile and emotional. Depraved. So. That's like, I, I look at it, I look at mm. a lot of the conversations and that's why when I saw you both, like you were both just tweeting in your element, I said, my geez, like you are, I, we have to make this um, episode happen and whatever the podcast ends up evolving into, I feel like these are the kind of conversations that I want to have. It's not just about my voice, like it's literally say your mind and I've just only been saying my mind for 200 and something episodes or whatever um, because there are incredible thinkers around us, like yourselves, you know, being part of that, that these are, we need to platform that. Like we need to, and I know, Amina, you've been doing your thing. Like you've got your subscribers and all of them people there and you've got that. I just think like all of us being in conversation more kind of shows that we're not isolated because sometimes you'll be reading some things and you're like, wait, is my mindset in this? Am I weird? Because I wouldn't, I, I don't think this is right. And But if you're alone in that and you're being told that you're crazy or, you know, you've got all of these other kind of, you know, the way the algorithms, you'll have a view. The next thing you know, the algorithms brought up a thing of um, another thing, another perspective of, about how your view ain't shit. You want to kind of have not necessarily an echo chamber, but sometimes have an echo chamber just so you know that fam, fam, like I've, I've got it. Like this makes sense. I don't think it's a reach at all. I'm seeing like... I don't want to touch on the people them fave, but Beyonce even, like I looked at that and I was just like, if society wasn't the way that society is, would you have held on to Jay-Z? Like, would you? Like what, what concessions, what this, that, this, that have you made in order to present as this power couple? And does that keep your soul intact? You know, like so many different things. Anyway, last scenario before we wrap it up, um, cause this is a jumbo episode. Um, your, Speaking with this cishet man, um, he's a bit down. He's a bit down. I know that they're the logical sex, but he's a bit down. He feels sad, um, thinks he's, you know, feeling a bit depressed. So you stay on the phone because you just want to make sure he's okay. You're speaking to him for quite a while. Hits about 1 a.m. You're still chatting. Um, he gets another call, has to put you on hold. <laughs> So what, what's just, what's just happened there? So no, so you're on hold. You're like, you're like, this is some bullshit. You're like, this is some bullshit. Where's my Glock? Where's my Glock? But but you're you're like, no, because see, no, no. So now I've got to switch up. I've got to add. So I'm going to add to it because I've just seen Lorraine's expression. (laughs) If you guys could see the video version of this, but there is none. Um. So Noreen, now I'm going to go with what you've done. So like, so, okay. So you've been put on hold. Who else would you be put, getting put on hold for at around 1am, right? So you lock off the phone because you're like, I'm not about this shit. I don't know who like you think like Lorraine is. I don't play that. He will message you, Lorraine, pick up. What are you doing? Why are you getting so angry? What is this? Why are you behaving like a spoiled brat? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you going to take that, Lorraine? 
God. I'm going to take that. <laughs> I, number one, I will not be on the phone with any cishet man listening to him wail about his problems till one in the morning. First of all, <laughs> there's the inaccuracy. In me. I don't even fit in this scenario because I'm not losing sleep over over cishet men's problems. Please, no, take it to the Lord in prayer. And the, pro- the, 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 the problems only ever center around all the women that they've messed up and they're working through their guilt. That, exactly. Literally, when you listen to their problems, it's only ever whether they're your friends, your brothers, your whatever. If you are listening to a cis het man's problem, I promise you, it's just going to be about oh, and then I treated this one badly, but I don't see it as treating her badly because I was growing, and then I treated this one horrendously, but and they kind of crossed over with each other. But hey, you know, I'm it's here like now. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> see why that word is a trigger. Nobody's perfect. Motherfucker, bare minimum. Bare minimum, you can't even do. You want to talk about nobody's perfect. But Shut. this is why they love tattoos. Let me tell you, deadbeat dads. I said this on my Insta live the other day. Deadbeat dads and ain't shit men, generally across the board, they all have two types of tattoos. Check their bodies first and foremost. They'll either, in one way or another, have um, Jesus on the cross. Or they'll have only God can judge me. And there is a reason that they choose to. <laughs> well, it's a good thing I read the Quran, in it? <laughs> if you add some wooden beads to that and their penchant for eating mangoes, you better run. That is a red flag Not all around. They love a mango. Ancient, the ancient men love eating mangoes. Just fruit. Just eating fruit on camera, wearing wooden beads. Be careful. Be careful. But no, Lorraine, you're going to talk us through it. Specific aesthetic. Is that actually kidding me? But they, no, keep, just watch. I'm sorry for any men who wear beads and you don't feel like you're part of that or you have that tattoo and it feels like I'm coming for you. I'm so sorry. Again, it feels like I don't even feel like I have to give that disclaimer. But if you are a cishet man and you're like, I don't even fit into what these women have described today. They're being so mean. You're probably part of who we're talking about because otherwise you wouldn't see us as mean. So anyway, but Lorraine, you were going to say what you would have done in that situation. Oh, first of all, for me, you can't weaponize something I've already accepted within myself. So you can't say, why are you acting mad? I know I'm mad. Yeah, I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm all of the above. So you're not. You're not telling me anything new, but also I think uh, it, it, a lot of cishet men are, are energy vampires and parasites. Refuse, they're parasites, and I refuse to be a host for yeah. a parasite. I refuse. So for me, if somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Lock off. Delete my number. Do not call me yeah. ever again. Yeah. Don't, and I think a lot of people are in this whole notion of oh, you need a dossier or evidence and you need to give people chances now why aren't you understanding we throw people away too soon before giving them chance like conflict resolution but why are you so deserving of endless grace you've shown over the past however many years of your life that you do not know how to treat people fairly and I think one of you mentioned earlier about fathers I think it might have been you Amina about dads and things like that or maybe it was you Lorraine we've been talking a lot basically but this idea like you've Let's say you've got a baby mother, like, and you've had all these children with her and you've broken her. Because I do believe that cheating is abuse. I really do believe that that is the case. And then you, yeah, and you do it over and over. She finds out, you know, through whatever means, like, 
And you say that your phone betrayed you And that's how she saw Because your the, the your phone allowed the text To pop up on your screen Hey boo I miss you or whatever You blame your phone screen You blame her for reacting Whatever the case may be right All of this stuff happens So now she's broken Over years and years and years Of having to deal with a parasite like you Because she's the host right So you've drained her of all her nutrients Because she's been hosting Your parasitic behavior So then now the children are watching you You try to hug her she stiffens up She doesn't want the hug The children now go Oh why is mummy not letting daddy hug her Why is mummy so mean And then you fail to explain to them That hey little kids It's because I've been a pussy clerk To me that is where the generational curses ensue And they continue Because you have not corrected them in that moment To understand that Actions have equal and opposite reactions That every action has a consequence You have not shown them that Oh, mummy isn't just doing that for no reason Mummy has her da-da-da-da-da You've let them believe that you are the victim In that situation So a lot of young children are still growing up Into these men Because nobody explained to them That this is how I don't even want to sing that guy God forbid Oh my God, the song that was about to come out of my mouth Let us continue This is the thing A lot of people don't deep That um, It is not just a, You know A toxic household Where people are shouting And screaming At each other That is uh, That is damaging To children That causes This ingrained Kind of Generational trauma It is also showing Your children A loveless Joyless home yes. Where every, Like that Atmosphere Is stiff Stiff Everyone is unhappy um, But ugh. These things are normalized in ways that I don't have, I don't have it in me to tolerate. I don't have it in me. And I wish a lot more people, a lot more women, a lot more femmes would be a lot more, uh, oh, selfish. Please. Yeah, more selfishness. Selfish. I think that it's not it's not by force. You don't have to show that you're the enduring good woman by putting up with bullshit behavior. You can just step away from it. And I and this is why you have to read all of the Bell Hooks books because I don't have an answer for you. I don't have an answer for well, what does that mean then if I'm looking for a man? I don't know, baby. I don't know. But all I'm saying is that that if you if you set pace Something has to change And there's the book By Bell Hooks The will to change Like there has to be The willingness to change And a lot of people Ain't got it They only do just enough So they can level up To the next Kind of um, Level of poussoir It's not about Full on change It's not about You know like That soul destroying change That ego destroying change When you have to Strip yourself down And be like This is who I am Damn and they start working from there. They're not really trying to do that because there are enough women who will accept the nonsense, like the bare minimum, because they just don't want to be out here alone. I don't want to be alone. Okay, I could sing that. Can I sing that one? I don't know. But um, <laughs> they don't want to be alone. But the worst thing is being feeling alone when you're with someone. And yeah. that's a feeling that, oh my gosh, like I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Like you will absolutely be partnered. But be on your own Yeah Yeah Screaming in a room Full of people And nobody can hear you Yeah Been there So I'm glad But you didn't Wait So you just said Your answer Lorraine Was that I would not have Even been listening On the phone From the moment They're like I'm sad You would have been like Boop 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 The corner you've called has Let's just say By some chance I am there And I'm listening To this next man And unless That on hold Was not The fire brigade was not like, <laughs> some, like a death in the family being announced or something. No. You know, it was, you'll know it's a girl though. You would know that it's a, you would know it's a girl. 
Yeah, of course. There's a disrespect of time. There's a disrespect of of energy. And I think if more people, for me, I'm very, very particular about the people I allow in my circle, the time that and energy that I give to certain people. I am not on the phone to 1am speaking to a tip man about his problems. I am not. I am not. And that's precious sleep is I've yeah. got nothing to do with me. Why am I? And most of their problems are about just sucking your own uh, self-reflection and your capacity and your emotional intelligence to be able to unpack things and help them unpack things for them. Ah, it's not my but ministry. But then I find that when it's you then, if you want to call this certain behaviours out, I've noticed like you'll see um, an over, like um, an over exaggeration of emotion. So yes. if you can say oh something like, God. oh, I didn't appreciate that behaviour. What do you mean? I'm going through it. Maybe I just shouldn't be alive. Maybe I just shouldn't be alive because I've been going through so much and nobody takes the time. And from the way I grew up, I should have been worse than this. I should have been the part of the man them that would just da 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 da. And you're like, wait, but this is the this is the same tactic that white people use when you tell them that they're racist. Like, absolutely, absolutely. They flip the script and then they're the victim. And then you are now like, hang on a second. What the, what the hell is happening? <laughs> Wasn't this supposed to be un, un, free, unsolicited therapy? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I'll call your bluff. What's going I'll on there? Maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe you shouldn't, motherfucker. Maybe you shouldn't. I think that's, that's about the most useful thing you've said in this whole entire conversation. And you need to give that serious consideration. Maybe you shouldn't. Give that thought space to breathe. The way they go from zero to a thousand. Yeah. I think that's the part that throws me every time. Like, because you're trying to be the rationale that they claim they are. Yeah. I love going back to that because they just contradict in every facet of their life. They contradict their, their own logic. Mm-hmm. Um, it is always exaggerating of emotions. Yeah. Because as soon as you point out a discrepancy somewhere or you might want to have to, you know, you're thinking like, hold on, this doesn't add up. You're always on, you find yourself on alert. For me anyway, um, in the past when it has happened, where I'm pointing out something that a male acquaintance or a male friend in my life is uh, is explaining to me in a situation that they're venting to me about. Yeah. I'm like, there's a discrepancy here. But when I ask just directly, it becomes a thing of what you're trying to say. Are you trying to accuse me or something? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm asking <laughs> a question. Um, and it's very interesting because at that point you realize that they're actually facing the reality of the situation that they're trying to tell. Yeah. And they realize that they can't even smother the cracks in the discrepancies of what they're explaining to me and venting about. And they're worried that they've been caught out, even though you're just seeing it as I have a friend that's venting to me. Yeah. So I, or, or a partner or whatever the situation is. And it's, it's quite interesting how men reframe that. They uh, reframe yeah. their personal lives. It's just so much self turmoil within them spiritually and emotionally and they're in denial about it until it really, really hurts. And um, then, and then, and they've got to, and then just, just got to lash out and it's like, no, you're, it's you, yeah. you're the reverse racist or you're the, you're the angry one. You're not healed. You can't just, you're like, calm down. Like it, it was just an observation. Like, what is this? And it's all, it's always uh, either a disproportionate response or you get that it's not that deep. Yes. It's not that deep. Yeah. It's always the depth of a teaspoon. And the emotional, <laughs> emotional intelligence of, of field mice. That one to tell you it's not that deep. <laughs> or maybe you are not that deep. 
That's Maybe you're you not Because a lot of them Try to do up I'm intense I'm intense I see myself as like You know They always want to see themselves As I don't know Some kind of Marvel hero But you're like But look how all the Marvel heroes They're loveless in their life So that's That's where you That's where you framed yourself Against these people That don't know love And all they're doing Is fighting The external representations Of their inner demons Like behave yourself <laughs> Behave yourself Don't be silly Don't be ridiculous But no We've spoken for like An hour and a half So I, I, the pe- People will have to Listen to this In stages <laughs> with, When it comes out tomorrow Because I've got Another interview With um, Jade and Kia From Getting Grown Podcast And I just wanted it To be like a The link up Of all the girlies You know Transatlantic Link up thing Talking about Various things um, And I appreciate You mm-hmm. both so much And I hope that You can join me Again soon Because I like Having a consortium Like around Table of to discuss these things and come in with different perspectives. Thank you so much, Kalechi. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Thank it's, you. Both. It's just the range for me. It's just like it just goes up, down, dash of comedy, dash of reality, <laughs> dash of XYZ. It's just like a cauldron of just life, isn't it? Hubble, bubble, straws, and trouble. Yes. <laughs> No, thank you both so much. I hope you enjoyed that. Whoa, what a conversation. Long in it, but we were talking the things and the scenarios. <laughs> oh, I'd be getting creative, but um, it's great to always get like amazing insight and all of the and perspective on a lot of these um kind of conversations and so thank you to Lorraine and Amina for joining me um I'll big up the third of this week's show sponsors who are better help uh this show is sponsored by better help and from the conversation that we just had you could see that we've all discovered like I said that patriarchy is insanity and clearly that there is a lot there are a lot of people going through it. And instead of thinking that women need to be your rehabilitation centers for figuring out your things that you should have probably figured out with a parent, you know, you can just jump on better help because unfortunately life doesn't come with a user manual and you can't make women or other people be those manuals for you while you are projecting your nonsense. So when life is not working for you and relationships aren't working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change or a new relationship or becoming a parent or anything. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. Hear that again. Therapists, therapists, are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere. And it's 100% online. So I know that I've benefited a lot from therapy, which is what has allowed me to have such insight into me and to not be so fearful of what there is still to discover about myself and to accept a lot of aspects of myself. Because I think the first step to healing is acceptance. And some of you just don't want to accept that you're trash bags. Um, And so you'll project that onto other people. Um, But it's good to accept these things. And so you can work on these things. So whether or not you've been in therapy personally um, or, you know, you're thinking, oh, maybe, you know, I might go back or maybe it's not for me. I still say give better help a chance because 
sometimes therapy is a bit like dating. You've got to, you know, figure out the right person for you um, and the right therapist for you. So um, as the large, uh, as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus it's affordable. So just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash your mind. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash your mind. That's betterhelp.com forward slash your mind. Go and get the help you need, baby. Ah, all right, let's get to the last segment, which is straw of the week, aka suck your mum. So would you believe it? My straw of the week goes out to the police, police everywhere, but specifically the police in the UK um, for various reasons. I don't know if I can really stay here all night. I mean, this episode already feels like it's super long as it is. I can't even bear to think what everything will amount to. So I'm just going to keep it you know, um, short and sweet, but I say that in a freaking like three and a half, probably hour episode, but I've been gone for like a few weeks. So I think that this is a chunky episode to make up for the fact that I've been, um, away for so long. But, um, first reason that the Met police, um, are getting a straw is because they went ahead and, um, set up move man they went ahead and set up a fake record shop um run by undercover cops to try to basically um and what's that word and oh it's gone out of my head but you know the one i mean when they're trying to end something new sha my my i've been talking for so long my mind has gone blank um but here here we go i'm sure all of you are screaming it to your um phones right now but i can't hear you so we keep we keep it moving it says here it was March 2008 in Edmonton, North London. Um, Orlando Chinhemba and was sitting on his mate's sofa listening to his friend talk about a newly opened rap and hip hop music shop on 4th Street. It was called Boombox, the friend said, adding that there was a recording studio in the back of the shop, which you could use for £10 an hour. A baby-faced 20-year-old from Angola, Chinemba, who has never spoken to the media before about his experience, was the joker in his friendship group. I've always been this kind of guy. Wherever I go, I make people laugh, he says, attributing this to a part, um, in part to his accent. I'm reading this off Vice, by the way. Um, his goal was to get into the music industry. Over the previous three years, he had been actively making music. Now he is set, he sat listening to his friend. He wondered if Boombox could be his big break. It was nice to see we had a local studio, Chinemba says. It was totally impossible for you to make a record at that time. It was very expensive just to get into a studio. He met the staff in a shop. Amanda at reception, Fish, the manager, as well as Tyrone and Dee. It was trying, I was trying to give my mates the objective of we need to grow up. We need to achieve a big things. I had a conversation with Tyrone, how I want to help my community, how I want to stop crime. I want to do big things. That's the conversation I had with this guy. The staff's knowledge of music was real, but their identities were not. They were undercover cops and their names were pseudonyms given to the officers to protect their identities. Deployed by the Metropolitan Police, they were the lead actors in Operation Payzac, a half a million pound mission to control gun crime and escalating violence in the area. In 2008, between January and July, five young people were killed in Enfield. Um, Henry Bolombi, 17, Louis Boduka, 18, Iekin Mezu, 16, Bakari Davis, 24, and Melvin Bryan, 18. 
The community was at a point where it was calling upon the law enforcement authorities to cease this dramatic rise in serious crime and murders and to try to return the local community to a place of safety for those living in it. Um, Heidi Stonecliffe QC, one of the prosecution barristers working on the Boombox case, reads from her sentencing notes, 35 men would ultimately be convicted for their involvement in the sting. The men were mostly black, aged 16, um, between 16 and 41 and were convicted of offences ranging from drug dealing, trafficking guns, and conspiracy to supply firearm, um, firearms. Fish, an older black guy with dreadlocks, was good at playing his part. He and other three... He and the other three were given training in the sort of music the shop was selling and in the running of the place. If those undercover had been discovered, there wouldn't have been a conversation from one of the defendants saying, look, we think you might be a police officer. There wouldn't have been any questions, you know, there would have been significant violence and that's the end of it. Um, Stonecliffe adds that as an undercover officer, as undercover officers are highly trained, recyclable resource, measures were also taken to ensure their identities protected. They're at risk of revenge attacks, repercussions, their family are at risk and also their identity becomes known. They can't be used again. Fish in particular received high praise through Stonecliffe um, tells Vice that the undercover officers who worked on the boombox uh, were probably the finest she'd ever worked with. The undercover um, officers sought to portray themselves as having unspecified criminal links in order to infiltrate relevant persons to gather evidence on their levels of criminality. Um, This was one of the largest undercover operations in London in recent years. Um, uh, The defence solicitor for one of the 19-year-old black men with no previous convictions who was entangled in the sting Entrapment That's the word I was trying to remember Entrapment I got there in the end So some of you must have really shouted from the future And I heard it in the past As I'm recording this Entrapment Our client like many of the other defendants Looked up to the undercover officers as olders Experienced and credentialed Including with um, with regard to criminal ties Music producers who were able to make them famous Chinemba received a call out of the blue one night from Tyrone Who was asking about Chinemba's line of work Obviously in my head, nothing's going on. I was thinking that this guy could be a police officer. Our conversation, what's it? I wasn't thinking that this guy could be a police officer. Our conversation was mainly music related. I was trying to get him to help me get into the music industry. I thought he might give me some kind of position. That's what I had in my head. I never thought that this guy was trying to entrap us. Ha, look at the word right there. One day Chinemba was at Boombox when Tyrone approached him and told him that one of his friends was coming over from Ireland. He was... um, He was sound, Tyrone said, that he was also a drug addict and needed some heroin. Could Chinemba sort him out? Um, Hold on. The nanny's saying that Lev is asking for Nutella as I'm recording this. That's that's fine. He knows to ask for things when he knows I'm recording. Why am I sniffing like this? Must be the Reiki. Um... Could Chinemba sort him out? Chinemba got in touch with an acquaintance who knew who he knew dealt heroin. I think it was five grams, he recalls. It was 75 pounds. And that's what I gave to the guy. It was right at the back of the shop where they had cameras. They probably saw the dealer's car. They could have tracked it down and done whatever and then not have asked me. Um, I was the middleman, Chinemba, Chinemba says. That's how they entrapped us. They made us commit a crime. They didn't see us committing a crime. I think it was a total miscarriage of justice. Um, that's all I wanted to read, really. This QC, this Queen's cunt, 
is praising them for this sting. And they're only telling us about it now after the fact. You're praising the Met Police for this sting. But actually, how I lost volume. You went and got these guys that were minding their business. Some of them were minding their business and you made them commit a crime. You made them do that. All for the sake of what? And we're talking about, oh, the violence in these um, communities. And this is why this thing, op- this thing operation was set up. The violence in this community that is a result of the government cutting funding in community-led initiatives. So we always focus on the symptoms and not the cause. So with the nature of how everything runs, you have to create a a problem for the police to be able to solve it. And they don't actually solve the problem. What they go on to do is create more problems. That is so disgusting to me that this happened. Like, okay, fine. You feel like you caught some quote unquote criminals, but who else did you put in harm's way in your stupid role play? We have this situation. A few, um, you know, in the episodes before I talked about the social media app or whatever that was set up that was trying, they were trying to use it to to catch young um, Muslim children or young, you know, Muslim teenagers or whatever. You can't trust what you see out here. You can't trust what you see out here. And people are being placed in close proximity to certain people and places to gain your trust. And then they're the ones that's going to lead you to down the path of no return. Also that they can say, oh, look, look at our stats. God forbid. God punish your stats. God punish your stats and God punish your sting operations, you pricks. Because when the actual job is looking you right in the face, you can't do it. You can't do the actual job that you're meant to do. And that takes me on to the next case that was really bothering me um, about, well, we'll I was going to talk about London Fire Brigade that, you know, an independent report saw that they were found that they were institutionally racist and misogynistic. But I don't, that's not a surprise for me. It's just like you had people like Tony Sewell with that sewage report talking about the, uh, that Britain isn't institutionally racist, but what we're seeing is that in fact they are. Um, so if all of these institutions are racist, then what does that make Britain? But nobody wants to finish the maths. Everybody's just stopping. Finish the maths. Two plus two equals what? Finish it. What I was saying about the police and not wanting you, the, the job is looking you right in the face. You'll go and create extra job for yourself that you can't even complete. Fatimata Haidara um, and her daughters, Naima Drame and Fatima, um, Naima was one year old um, Fatima was three years old Fatimata, I think she was 28 years old They were killed in a fire in Nottingham um, Last weekend um, A 31 year old man called Jamie Barrow A white man is believed to have um, Set fire to their home Jamie has posted um, Racist things um, Islamophobic things on his page Yet somehow the police at the point of recording this Were saying that they don't believe it to be a racially motivated attack I've already made a video about this And posted it on socials But at one point, at what point does the police call These things what they are At what point What more does it take For it to be racially motivated Even the fact that we're calling it racially motivated It is just a racist attack It's a racist attack, it's a white supremacist attack Like it is a white supremacist terrorism That is what it is when the other guy went to go and um, blow up or wanted to go and blow up that detention center, um, I saw the, I just caught snippets of these things when I was offline. You, they didn't want to call that what it is until they were forced to. And then when they do, they'll go, oh, this person was right wing, rare, rare, rare. They were extreme right terrorists. Nah, 
Stop making everything sound like it's the extremes. Your everyday higgly piggly everyday people are the ones that are perpetrating. Everyday people. It's so easy to push it to the peripheries and be like, oh, it's these extreme people who are doing all of these things. No, talk about the normalized violence in our everyday lives. RIP to Fatimata, Fatumata, Fatima and Naima. Rest in peace, my beautiful, beautiful black angels. Because what the fuck is this life? And the Met Police are there yet again found to be doing sweet fuck all. It is not a racially motivated attack. Okay, fine, it's not. It's a racist attack. Now, where do we go? Where do we go from here? Because what did you want him to do? As he was doing it, do you want him to, do you want him to have written nigger on the, on their, on their, on, at the front of their house for it to then be considered racist? And even then you'll try to deny it. It is getting so fucking tiring. It is exhausting that every time I come to record this podcast, I'm talking about the fucking police or some kind of stupid governmental fuckery that's happening. I'm exhausted. And this is what I'm saying. I'm, I, I'm done. I'm so done with this podcast. I'm so done with this society. I can't survive. Like I know that this, all of this is pervasive any, everywhere. So I can't just necessarily move somewhere and boom, it's all gone. But the level of denial is mad. The one that went to go and shoot up the, um, the bar, the LGBTQ, uh, the was it like a um, a drag bar that, that was having a drag night? Or I need to find that story. Basically, when they told his dad, his dad was like, oh, when I first heard that he shot up the place, I was like, why was he there? Is he gay? But oh, thankfully he wasn't. He was just there killing everybody. And you just have to think to yourself, wow. Um, yeah, it's uh, the Colorado shooter's dad finding out his son murdered people. Um, they started telling me about the incident, a shooting. And then I go on to find out it's a gay bar. I got scared. Shit, is he gay? He's not gay. So I said, phew, I'm a conservative Republican. And that just tells you everything that you need to know about anybody that's claiming conservatism and all of that stuff. But again, RIP to the people that lost their life, that their lives were taken um, in Colorado because of this fucking idiot black white supremacy every day we're being reminded every week there's been a mass shooting every single week of this year there's been a mass shooting in america every single week but you don't want to address the gun laws you'll find any way to explain it to be anything else other than what it is which is that white supremacy is intent on eating itself and anybody in its way what are we going to do what are we going to do? Because this can't continue to happen. I'm so bored. I'm bored. Like it sounds so fucked up to say, but I'm so bored of tragedy. I'm so bored of the ways that we experience violence in our intimate like relationships and in our lives with our families, friends, and in our immediate communities and how we experience it in the world at large. I'm so bored. Like it's unimaginative. It's so fucking boring. Can we not do better than this for each other? It's so fucking like mind numbing. Do we not want better? And why are we okay with this? Fucking Matt Hancock, that fucking prick is now in the final three of I'm a Celebrity. He's in the final three. Somebody that oversaw the deaths of thousands of people during lockdown due to his his inability to show empathy. All he showed was contempt to the older people that were in them nursing homes and in them care homes gave all these contracts to his friends and family through WhatsApp and whatever the fuck like we we got robbed in broad daylight meanwhile he was rubbing tea and grabbing batty he was getting his cocky wet during our suffering 
And yet you lot as the British public You let him make it to the final three And I'm a celebrity Get me out of here Get me the fuck out of here Get me out of here This is fucking ridiculous This is so fucking weird The British public is fucked up Fucked in the head Fucked in the heart Because how is it time and time again You are willing to rehabilitate the people Who mean you the most harm Are you not tired? Are you not tired of suffering? And you know what? You liberals are part of the problem Because you'll say that you're an ally You're an ally Oh, but you know, my my parent, my this person They're of another generation You know, they think the way that they think But they're lovely people, really This is your lovely people Your family members who you are refusing to pattern This is what they're doing These are your lovely people Everybody can get the fuck Get the fuck I'm over it I've come back to do these episodes for as long as I can manage to um, As I transition into whatever else, you know, I want to do in Regarding to expressing myself I'm done caring about any backlash I'm done caring about what anybody else has to say I've said that for a long time Like my soul and the elevation and the learning that I'm meant to do in this lifetime That is my sole priority And making sure That me and my baby boy And my my, my 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 real ones That we're all good Everything else Is absolutely for the birds Specifically for the pigeons That's it I've been Kalechi Okafor And this has been SYM Officially known as Say Your Mind Unofficially known as What What That's right Suck your mum Big up yourself Jade Kia Lorraine and Amina for joining me um, and chatting with me and you can follow me on all the places that you know to follow me at um, yeah the children home, children's home is still being built I'm still doing all of the things so if you want to support support if you don't you don't the deck of cards are there my people in Manchester I'm going to see you Sunday 11th of December I know that the trains are fucked I'm flying to Manchester It worked out the same rate As taking a train for me personally um, But yeah I will catch you on the flip side Peace It's the Ben's Brunani woman It's baby boys, baby girls You need to hear this Keep it sit down, sit down Receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea We are go sippy here Hard time scrolling for your long truths You might learn something you never know Collect you find and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind